0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome to Game Face on Sifted. 101. 101. Yeah. Hopefully you guys have liked episode 100. We had Adam Sessler and Marcus Beer on that special episode. This is also. Is this the first time we've done two episodes of Game Face in one week? Uh, unless you count like E3, E3 stuff. Three. Yeah. Which we don't really call Game Face. We usually have yeah, other depends. names for it.
2: Yeah. So uh, last year it was a special. This year it was a Game Face. Right. Or maybe that's right. The other way around. I don't, I don't know. know.
1: <laughs> anyway, this is a big deal for us to have multiple shows in one week. I uh, wanted to really kick it into gear with our Patreon out there. Uh, for those of you guys who are watching the show for the first time, because we are finally on YouTube, uh, we've been behind a paywall all this time on Game Face, and we're finally coming out behind it for our Patreon. Uh, you can see the URL there at the bottom of the screen. We have changed our revenue model from a subscription service to Patreon. So check it out, patreon.com slash sifted. Got some fun rewards in there, some crazy rewards rewards in there as well mm-hmm. uh, some fun goals for some new shows and uh, a baseline for us to keep producing all the content we are including this show Pactor Factor, Fact and all the other stuff that we do so thank you for any consideration you might have for our Patreon we would really appreciate it we have a huge show today by the way um, I know a lot of times on this show we kind of expand a lot on games, but we have like 11 topics today. So we're going to try to get through them a little more quickly than usual so this doesn't go over our allotted three-hour runtime (laughs) that we've kind of settled into. Uh, But man, all the games are coming out. All the big games are coming out. We've also been kind of away for a while. Um, This is our first show we've done in a while with all of us. Sam is back. Uh, he was on vacation for a while. And we were doing shows without camera cuts for a while. Yeah, um, I've been in and out of town. And yep, Matt's been in and out. It's just um, late summer; everyone takes yeah. vacation. And
2: oh, also, if you if you want to help me out, uh, I was I've been writing and producing a show on Facebook called Bits and Bytes, uh, which you can go find on Facebook. Just look for Bits and Bytes. And if you like it, like it and share it, and maybe we'll get to do more episodes. It's basically just game stuff. Yep, fun game stuff. Yeah, like a lot a lot of, a lot of retro stuff. Like basically, I'm writing just what interests me. Which um, means it's probably pretty good, folks. Me. <laughs> me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna raise expectations too You'll high. you everybody but, else be the judge. But if you like fish puns, episode one is right, right there, man. <laughs> like you're right, right in the, the wheelhouse, it. right there. <laughs>
1: All right, let's get going. we got a lot to get through today. Uh, we want to get started right away. First game we're going to talk about is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a little anecdote to share before we start talking about the game. Uh, it's been tough for me to play games the last couple weeks because I've been working on this Patreon and pretty much everything has gone into it. Uh, I did kind of put away some time to play this game. And uh, people who are just watching Game Face for the first time probably have no idea that I've had horrible luck with my Nintendo Switch. Yep. my left. I think, I think you got a lemon. I think I have a defective unit at this yeah. point. My Left Joy-Con, everyone had Left Joy-Con problems. Mine has never gone away. They even sent me a new yeah.
2: one. It's I've never had Left Joy-Con, but uh, this, to be fair, probably 90% of my time playing the Switch has been um, with the Pro Control. Yeah, that helps. Um, so, my Switch
1: had sat in my entertainment center for the last month and a half, probably, untouched, mm-hmm. unplugged, not powered
2: up, nothing. I will also say this, because I was my I was getting bending on my Switch in the Really? Dock. So months and months ago, I put it in its the case that came with the Zelda Special Edition, yeah. and left it in there. And I took it out to play Rabbids, uh, Mario and Rabbids, uh, last week. The first, probably the first time I turned it on in four, five months. Whoa! Still fully powered up. Still yeah, fully it holds, it holds its charge like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Like it, it is ready to go. The Joy Cons were dead, yeah. but they charge. Of course, they charge on the side of the thing, so right. it's fun. Um, but I was pretty impressed by that. I was pretty impressed that, that, good. that, that yeah. uh, you can leave it in this case for that long and it's still ready to go.
1: Mine was not charged, so I hook everything up, plug it into the wall. It's pretty much completely dead, and it should have been charged. So I've maybe I've had mine out unplugged longer than yours has. The problem is, once I charge it up, the right Joy-Con doesn't exist anymore. Mm. The system cannot pick it up. It's when you look at the schematic on the system, it shows, like, the icons of the Joy-Con. The right Joy-Con is just completely missing. And here it is. And here it is. So I brought it in to give to Matt today. He's going to take it home and plug it, it, it into his Switch. And in- hope,
2: hope it doesn't infect mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, I'm hoping that it's just the right Joy-Con that's gone bad and not my actual tablet. So, what, would it not even work if you had it locked on? Nothing. Nothing. It just, just doesn't even register. Right. It's like it's not there. I can't even, you know, I can't really start the system because you have to hit three buttons like to start. Like, it, it's just dead. So, I half almost care. I almost want it to be completely dead because I feel like you said that this system is defective. And I would actually you prefer. You have so many problems with it. I have. And I would just prefer for Nintendo to just replace the whole thing at this point that instead of just nice. giving me a Joy-Con. But, you know. We'll see. So, anyway, I have not had the chance to play Mario Plus Rabbids. Matt, you have had a chance to play it. Yeah. I will admit I've watched a lot of it being played, but I have not had the chance to play it myself. Mm. So, what are your thoughts, Matt? It's it's hovering around 8 on Metacritic.
2: Yeah. That feels about right to me. It's I mean, it's good. It's... Uh you know it is xcom you know people call it xcom for babies a little bit and it's it's a little bit there that I seems mean, accurate i'm at, i'm i think closing in on the second end of the second world which is like the desert slash ice area and like it's starting to throw some new wrinkles more as opposed to like the first world is kind of like slowly introducing concepts for most of it uh although the boss battle uh not not afraid to kill your guys uh the boss the bosses are are pretty tough And uh, at least by the standards of the game, like it's kind of this element of like you can kind of sleepwalk through the normal battles, and but once you hit like a mid boss, you better be ready to actually start thinking about what you can do. Yeah, Um, and I like that. I mean, I I, I'm not going to hold kind of the training wheels aspect of the game of the strategy of the game against it. Because of the nature of the characters it's using, I mean, well, I mean you have to have that. Look, there. the you game
1: is—I would say it's made for kids, but it is intended yeah. that kids can play
2: it. Right, and you can. I mean, like and when, like the, you know, when battles start, there's always a little thing pops up. It says easy mode, and like you can hit the little Y button, and it'll like switch it to an easier mode. I haven't done that, so I don't know what that does. Right. But like, it's clearly there to be played, and you know, whatever your skill level. I've been sticking to normal, and I feel like it's a, it's decent. It's a decent level of challenge as you move into world two, uh, and like, there's enough. Different abilities and different moves, and like especially the jump—you know, jumping off each character—like to add mobility and stuff. I feel there's a, I, there's a lot of versatility in what you can do, and it feels a little more open and movement-based than a lot of a lot of these uh, strategy RPGs can uh, tend to be. So like um, like I'm enjoy- I'm really liking it. And no permadeath, right? Uh no, not that I, I've noticed. They
1: <laughs> well, decided to take
2: that out of the formula. No, <laughs> imagine uh, like if have... a five-year-old lost Luigi or whatever, and he's like, mommy Yeah, the only thing like like in in because the worlds are divided up into standard Mario world one 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 two one three. Yeah, and uh, damage to your character uh, carries over from from battle to battle in uh, a world 1, like world 1-3 there's like two battles and like any damage you suffer in the first battle will still be there in the second battle. And what happens if the character dies? Um, I don't actually know. Because no Cause one's I ever died? died. <laughs> um, Mario got knocked out in one of the boss battles, but after that everybody came back and it was fine. So I, but I don't know what happens if somebody gets knocked out while you're between uh, while you're progressing through a stage, I think I think you can replace him with another character if you have more characters in your roster. Okay. Because um, I have I have a Luigi now that I can rotate in if I need to, but I haven't really used him much because his his hit points are real low compared to everybody else. So he must deal out a lot of damage, I'm assuming. Yeah, he's he's like a he seems to be like a control support character more than anything else, but um, I've never been a huge control support person. I'm more of a more firepower so. Uh Mario and Princess the Princess uh Peach Rabbid kind of fit my style a little better. How are how are the roles? Are they varied enough that you can form a lot of varied strategies? Um, I mean I th- I think so. It's not like you know, you're not talking about talking about XCOM two level stuff, but you're talking about like each character has their own role and if you try to use if like you're trying to use like Luigi Rabbid. The way you use Mario Rabbit, you're not going to come out too well. But like, is they, it? A tra- but I guess my
1: question really is, is: is it a trial and error game? Is there kind of one way to get through each skirmish where you have to use the sniper, or you have to use the tank? Or- not so
2: far. Okay. Um, I mean, there's clearly easier ways to do each thing. Like, there's you know, it's pretty easy if you've if you played these games before, especially if you played a lot Fire Emblem. You kind of know, okay, like this is what they want me to do here, and this is what they're hinting I should do. Um, but I haven't hit a point where like if I don't follow kind of like what the level implies, I'm supposed to do that I just fail at it. Like okay. it, it lets you, it, it it lets you kind of improvise as you need. And like there's there's like early on in in World One, there's stuff where they teach you that like if you're higher up on a higher level, you do extra damage when you're shooting down at something. Um, but I did a, a lot of that. The the second one of those, I did a lot of it on the ground, and it I didn't feel at a disadvantage. I mean, I was at a disadvantage because I could have been up high, but I just I didn't feel like I was you know, up against the wall for it. But, I mean, yep. that might get worse. It might get more challenging as you move through the game, though, because I feel like there's enough versatility in in the, the moves they learn so far that, like, oh, I could see them getting... Because, re- you know, like how Mario games kind of have that thing where it's like early on it's all fun and games. Right. But then and later on it becomes to tough as nails if you really plots, want to master yeah. it. And then, of course, there is a rating system after each... You know, if, if you, you... I think it's uh, everybody has to survive... And you have to take under a certain number of turns to get a perfect rating, because you get scored at the end yeah you get yeah. scored at the end of each battle, and then at the end of each world, your score you know tallies up, and you get coins basically to uh, in exchange for for your performance and you use the coins to upgrade the weapons and buy new things How, how deep do the upgrades go um, pretty far so you 've got like tr- like three skill trees per character, I think, and then you 've got like a bunch of different weaponry and you can upgrade the weaponry. And, like, there's... With, there's like, a, attachments, or... Uh, at least with cosmetic stuff. I'm okay. not sure, but, but, like... So, like, but you can, um... Or can you? Maybe I'm not that far. But you, there is a ton of different guns for each character, and each gun tends to have a different kind of strength or, uh-huh. or role. Um, you know, there's some of them, like, like the beef-themed ones are more likely to, to cause honey, which makes sticks a character in place for a turn... Uh, there's ones that are more likely to cause uh, like stun or dizziness or whatever you know so and then there's uh, different things you can do to prevent that from happening and like uh, different characters have abilities that like, like I think it's Rabid Luigi has an ability that prevents him that for one turn, I think he can't be status affected. okay um, but you but that takes like three turns to recharge after you have to use it, so you have to kind of predict when they're going to try to do that to you.
1: If the game sounds crazy deep. I'm like really it's, surprised. It's, it's not
2: kidding around in that. I mean, it's not like Baby's first tactical RPG. Once you get past the tutorial stuff, there's there's some there's thought you're gonna have to put into it, and I like that. I I, I feel like it's it it's uh, they made a real game in this genre. They didn't make it like some kind of half-assed like you know you know facsimile. I I, I think they they did it upright. And then uh, like right here you're looking at like kind of the between battle like sort of overworld thing where you have to run around and solve like some switch puzzles and it's key very Mario esque. Yeah. Like you had to collect and like
1: the red coins and, yeah.
2: and so and so there's a lot to do and it's not the same thing over and over again, really. And you can free roam and, through this area yeah, too. It's run not around like and you're on find, a track. Find treasures, that's how you find new uh, new weaponry and like little like you know, data log entries for things. Um, and one thing that I am very impressed, I'm I mean, i do not know if impressed by, but just surprised by, I guess. Is how much freedom Nintendo gave Ubisoft in this game to oh, yeah. mess around with the Nintendo stuff because yeah. there's some there's some edgy sh- edgy shit in this game <laughs> yeah, by know. Nintendo. Like they say hell a lot on things, like, uh-huh. and and there's like a and there's there's a couple of like little risque moments with especially with uh, the Peach Rabbit um, and like I saw one cutscene where one of the enemies basically wipes his ass with donkey. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's. <laughs> Like I'm a little, I mean, it's it's not conquer level like shocking, no, no. but like it's it's, I'm a little surprised that Mar- that uh, Nintendo was willing to go to some of the places that this game goes. But I mean, the other uh, thing but it's I would... not, I, I mean, I'm not criticizing for that. I think it, I think no, it's great. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the one thing I would say too is that I feel like. The folks at Ubisoft that made this game, they love Mario. Yeah. You can see no it question. in the game and they know it very,
2: very well. And I'm sure Nintendo had a lot of guidance on this game. Mm-hmm. It's
1: also surprising. Well the in jokes
2: in this are just fast and few to the yeah. point that I think I'm missing a bunch of them because I'm not that that much Mario, Mario fan. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff going on in here. And uh and the other thing is like, you know, while it is not, you know, probably gonna win. You know, best graphics of the year from a technical standpoint. It's it's really pretty. It is for what it's it, gorgeous for yeah. what it is. Like it is rock solid. I have not seen a polygon out of place. Everything feels concrete and real and there and really sharp. polished
1: game. Yeah, and like
2: there's no draw in problems. I mean, it's, it's just it's just a really pretty game. Uh, you know, it just takes its art style and does it up as well as it possibly
1: could. The one thing I've been seeing a lot on social media is apparently there are like challenge stages or something that are like hard as nails. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How do those work? I haven't played any of those. Oh, Okay.
1: Um but I've seen a lot of people talk about how yet. they can't even get through some of them. So yeah. there's definitely some it's, levels it's like, in the game that are going to test yeah. you. Yeah. Well,
2: it's it's like uh, you know, it's like any Mario game where it's like if you if if you want the hard line like crazy challenge, it's going to be there for you, but it's going to be optional. Yeah. You know, kids can get through this just playing the main game, I think, but it it, 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 it they are very aware that there is a contingent that loves their turn-based strategy hard as nails, and that that seems to be there for you. I am not really one who loves this turn-based strategy as hard. Like, like Fire <laughs> Emblem on, like, Classic is about as far as I go. Yeah, you yeah, know? Um, And this, this is a pretty nice level of challenge to me.
1: Well, strategy games like this can be brutal. Yeah. I mean, lots of one-hit kills and things like that. And there's like also that. a lot
2: of, like, environmental stuff to keep track of. You know, like, like right here you can see, like... Uh, the, the brick stuff you can destroy with a few shots, even if they're in if they're in cover. So you cover again, brick cover is not permanent. The, the kind of cover the steel is. cover is, but then some of the cover is explosive if you shoot it, and then sometimes explosive cover is hiding. Under other kinds of cover, so you don't know until you shoot it that it's actually explosive cover. That I and, don't know if
1: I care for too much.
2: Well, because uh, so far it's been you hit you hit it and like it, the the cover blows away and then you see it's okay. explosive. Okay, okay, I'm fine. So with it's not that. like all of a sudden it's gotcha, explosive, gotcha. but it's like if you happen to take a shot at this. And the thing is, like, there's no reason not to take a shot at a guy if you have no other shot. Just shoot at his cover and see what you can do. never know. Yeah, and sometimes it turns like, oh, hey, look at that. Yeah. Um, so and you know and there's there's a lot of using of those pipes aren't just adventure area stuff like there's pipes like that in the in the you know in the, in the battles and you can use them to get behind people and like I've pulled some stuff that's pretty I I was pretty happy with myself for figuring it out and I pulled have done some stuff that I was just like that was the dumbest thing I could possibly have done there because <laughs> I just didn't understand how sort of all the different level stuff level design was fitting together but that happens in every game but, every yeah.
1: franchise XCOM is like that too oh, I yeah. mean
2: yeah. It's kind of part and parcel with the genre, yeah, but I do think it's less frustrating than a lot of other games in its genre. It, it is a it is a very playable game. If it's a
1: nerfed turn based strategy game. A little
2: bit, but like you know, it's there. It's there to play for real if you want it to be. So I, I would say, if unless you're like just dead set, I will never play a turn based strategy game. Period. Ever. Like, don't let that scare you off if you're a fan of Mario or Rabbids. Like, I feel like it, most people wouldn't let them scare you off. Yeah. But, it, like, it, it's... Well, I think, look, I, I think find a lot pretty... of people
1: don't like Rabbits.
2: True. Uh, and there is a lot of Rabbits. And I would agree game. with some of those people. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Rabbits property. Neither am I, but, I mean, you are shooting them. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and they are, I mean, when they do that D-Res thing, they're actually going back to the, the Princess Peach's castle. Because you're, you're, like... They've gone crazy because of the merge of the Mushroom Kingdom, so you're basically freeing them from their madness, relative madness. (laughs) Uh, And then they go back to Princess Peach's castle and build things for you. Oh, like what? Uh, Like basically, they build the uh, the little stations where you use Amiibos, or there's a there's a there's a buddy co-op campaign you can do where you go in with you can play with another player, and like like basically you play different maps in each world, like complete each world, and I think it unlocks a co-op campaign challenge for that world guy yeah and stuff like that it's it's uh, any it's,
1: online play in this at all i don't think so no so no head-to-head
2: battles or anything like that not so far okay. if there are head-to-head battles it looks like it's probably a uh, local couch like local co-op
1: so here's the big question we're kind of in a software drought for switch right now lots mm-hmm. of indie stuff coming out obviously but no major releases this is kind of a gap filler waiting for super mm-hmm. mario odyssey should people pick this up
2: i think so yeah I, would. I mean i it's the it's the second switch game i've ever bought um <laughs> and i don't regret it yeah uh, i think it was worth the full price it gives you a lot of game it looks great it's uh it's fun it's it's a new take on mario it the rabbits aren't too you know don't annoy me too much and uh i think for nintendo fans with, too this is something different yeah and it's it's done with charm and love and it's a different take on some stuff i thought i, I think it's nice i think it's cool and uh um, you know, if you, if you if you have other stuff to play, sure, I can see this not taking huge priority, but if you're a Switch owner that doesn't have anything else to play or waiting for Mario Odyssey, like you could do a lot worse than to try this one out. And it's probably gonna last you that long too. There's a lot if you want to complete everything in this game. I thought
1: I had read that it wasn't all that long. The campaigns
2: are that long, but I think the challenges will last you a while. Yeah. If you really and, get into it, yeah, you want to if you, you want to drain every you know, drop of life out of it. It's which let's be
1: better. honest, Nintendo fans, they do that.
2: Yeah. I mean yeah. back
1: when I used to have a lot of spare time, I would play Nintendo games to one hundred percent because a lot of times you end up discovering the real depth of their of its games and the best parts of its games when you start digging into the more difficult parts of it. So mm-hmm. um I'm going to play this when I get my freaking Switch fixed. I'm probably just going to have
2: to buy a Pro Controller at this point because yeah, obviously the just, Joy-Cons are cursed. I mean, I don't have, really have anything negative to say about this game that I wouldn't say about any other turn-based game. Wow. So I, I think they did a good job. That's great. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something. And this is a case
1: of us not having a show for a while mm-hmm. where we could talk about this. It's kind of an old story, but it's a big story that I wanted to bring onto the show. And that is... Mark Laidlaw, who was a writer for Valve for years and years, left the company and upon his departure, basically, essentially released the script for Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Mm-hmm. The um, story
2: treatment, basically. Right.
1: But it, he, it was basically what was going to happen yeah. in the game. I think the or at least
2: what what was going to happen when he was working on it, whatever the hell that was,
1: and if anyone is even
2: working on it at all. Well, it was interesting that there was there was an element that someone asked him to to clarify, and he wouldn't do it because he said Valve may want to go into that later in something.
1: Well, I think the first thing that struck me when this story hit was that it's dead. Yeah. Because. Oh yeah. And and he knows it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he would have released this unless he knew that this game was never coming to fruition. Yeah.
2: I mean, at the very least, this version of it is dead. Yeah. And they'd have to start all over. And it doesn't look like Valve is interested in doing that. Ever, maybe. Ever, yeah. Like, I like I mean, I certainly took this as, well, that's the end of Half-Life. Yeah.
1: It really sucks. But you know what? At the same time, I feel like... Turns
2: out Half-Life's Half-Life was about
1: yeah. four years. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? That's true uh it's bittersweet i think because i feel bad for fans and i'm one Mm -hmm. um who
2: wanted this saga to come to
1: an end and to get and it
2: sounded pretty good like his his story breakdown was like that sounded pretty great to me totally would have been
1: fine with that game a million percent Uh, i mean obviously there's some big stuff that happens in there oh yeah and i'm not going to spoil any of that here because some people may have just stayed away from the story but, uh, I think Just in bit-
2: case magic happens and they Correct. make it one You never one day. know. You never know. Yeah, It's bittersweet. Because well, they're not using that now. Yeah. <laughs> if it's- Half-Life 2 Episode 3 ever comes out, it'll be a totally different game. It will be. Yeah. Obviously, they're not going to use what he released. hmm but it's
1: bittersweet because you know it's been torture all this time, like wondering, waiting, people begging Gabe for information on it, and him awkwardly denying it and never really saying like it was dead or it was alive. Even a couple,
2: just a couple years ago, yeah, that was that cutaway to him in like one of those presentations where it was just him like hammering a crowbar on an anvil, saying these things take time. Yeah, it's like he's continued to kind of propagate it a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I, I think
1: finally we have some closure. Mm-hmm. Like. One, we know what would have happened if they actually had made the game. And two, we know that it's not coming. Mm -hmm. And I think now finally maybe fans can move on. I mean, it's still a big story because we can look back through our data on Sifted and we can see any little rumor or anything that popped up for this game just did huge numbers. And so it's not like people over... I think maybe the demand for it has just increased over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I do feel bad. For all of us that were probably never getting the game, but I'm also glad that it's kind of been put to rest finally.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the main question I have is like, why is this the way it happened? It's like, like, what in the world? It makes no sense. It's It's a license to print money.
1: So strange. It is. But uh, thank you, Mark, for uh, for sharing that with us. I wonder too how angry maybe some folks at Valve are over
2: this. I'm I'm sure they cry themselves to sleep on have a huge pillows of pillows money, of money. yeah
1: like, Or maybe they're happy.
2: Maybe they're like wow, we're finally
1: off the hook free. on this. They're going, well, they're going to ask questions for a little while about the script,
2: right. the treatment. Uh but I think once people get their answers on that, they'll mm-hmm. probably just leave. Now the Gabel one thing like, he wouldn't elaborate on was the idea that Alex was in the employ of the G-Man. Right. And someone asked for more details on that and he said, well, that's a thing that Valve might want to explore in a future project and so I can't talk about it. Um, So it sounds like even he thinks that Half-Life in some form maybe exists some down the road, but like I still feel like if we see any more from that universe, it's going to be either in the form of portal things, which may not even matter because the people who wrote that are gone. Right, and um, well, all their writers are gone, yeah. pretty much. It's and been like, an exodus over the last couple of years. It would end up being something like the light. La- be like a VR demo or something like that. It wouldn't yeah. be. It wouldn't. I don't. I don't know if we're going to see any full-fledged single-player games out of Valve ever again.
1: I, but here's the thing: I think if Valve were going to do some kind of a VR take on Half-Life, that it would have like at least talked about it by now. Because it, it went all in on Vive and was kind of co-marketing Vive and didn't really supply much for it. Mm-hmm. If it really cared about VR being a, becoming a success, I feel like it would have already announced something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, that's a gun to pull about.
2: out earlier than they have.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, now that HTC is looking at selling Vive and everything's starting to get a little murky... I don't know. I think I think the the final chapter of this franchise may have been written. Other than you're right, maybe some kind of goofy shooting gallery yeah. set in the Half Life universe for VR or something like that.
2: Yeah, I could see that happening. But, but
1: as far as another full fledged narrative driven shooter set in that universe,
2: I just don't see it happening. So, as the graphic says, good night, sweet yeah, prince. Which is it's doubly disappointing considering you know. We're sort of in this era of long-awaited games coming true. Yeah, and this was. No, you're right. We got Shenmue a...
1: three coming, and we got I... the Banjo guys to make a new platformer. Yeah, and in
2: the end, I think I'd trade ukulele for this
1: about three times over. <laughs> yeah. So, in hindsight, which is always 2020, yeah. without a doubt. So, yeah, I mean, Valve at this point is just happy stacking cash. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a they're a retailer now. Yeah, more they're or less. they are not really game developers anymore, other than maybe seem some like small projects here and there. Left 4 Dead? I wouldn't mind getting another Left 4 Dead.
2: <laughs> another portal would have been cool. Maybe they get a Left 4 Dead themed series of hats in Team Fortress 2. Yeah. Or at the very least, just sell off the IP. Yeah, let somebody else Let somebody else
1: it. make it that you trust. Let Naughty Dog make Half-Life 2. Imagine that. Yeah. That would be incredible. That'd be cool. I mean, you would think Valve could find some studios that it would trust. Obviously, with its oversight involved, at least a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, Could find some studios that could make a great Half Life game. And then again, it could do what it loves to do sit back and and stack cash for doing nothing. It's right in Valve's MO. So we'll see. Um, But I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say the Half Life saga has come to a close. All right, next we're going to talk about something a little crazy. So there's this game, Matt, called (laughs) Fight of Gods. Mm. And it's a fighting game where literally it's gods fighting each other. I've heard of this before, I think. It's been on Sifted for a while. There's like six or seven trailers that have been curated to the site for it. It is literally just a fighting game about gods, which it's kind of like Superman in DC movies. It's like, who can beat him? Right. So what happens when you have all the characters that can't beat each other, like they can never die? it's really yeah. bizarre. I mean, they have
2: done stuff like, you know, there's War Gods on the N64, which is kind of the same thing in a way. I guess. It didn't use like mainstream religions, Right, it didn't use it like it used, the like, real gods. characters. Yeah. Well, you so kind of there's... ruined the punchline here a little bit, Sam. We hadn't quite quite given
1: it up, but people probably know about this anyway. So it was announced this week that the game includes Jesus. mm mm-hmm.
2: Mhm. Uh <laughs> He's back and he's cross.
1: Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what
2: the what the trailer said. So. I know. So, how do you feel about this, Matt? I mean, I, you're not a Christian. No, I think. I mean, I think it's funny. Um, and like, it reminds me of like, there's a there's a you know an image that has floated on the internet forever with this giant like ripped like muscular Jesus like sma- cracking the cross in half like while he's up on it, and it's just like supposed to be one of those like you know Jesus power like. Youth group things, you know, I think. and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm just like it's, it's fun, you know, it's what it's, I, I, it's, it's kind of putting everything. I know I've seen people like, like, oh, putting Jesus on the same level as like Buddha, Buddha, yeah, all like, of them, yeah. like, yeah, Buddha's a real religion too, you know, yeah, I and mean, it's just like yeah. every, you know, there's no, I don't see any, and Moses is in there, it's like <laughs> that's cool. Was Moses a god though? No, neither's Buddha. He's just really enlightened. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then the of course, there's, I mean, there's a whole theological argument about whether Jesus was or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, but he isn't. But he also is all three. But he's also the three are one. And I mean, that's, well, that's, well, I mean, every kind of religion that people, even recognizes people Jesus, went to war over that shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're not going to figure it out in, a, in an indie shitty indie <laughs> fighting game. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, you also have different religions that all the
1: religions that recognize Jesus as real mm-hmm. all have a different take on who he was right. and what he did, and there's really no clear definitive.
2: Yeah, but it's like you know, look, if they didn't put Jesus in there, like we wouldn't be talking about this game. No, we so, wouldn't. It was a pretty brilliant PR move.
1: Well, here's the other: put Jesus' is back. I mean, they
2: really just. I really like that he's still got the pieces of lumber on his arm. Like I think From that's the a cross. A, that's a fun. Uh, that's a fun way to take it.
1: One of the uh, quotes in the accolades it looks, trailer this game says looks so bad. It does.
2: Like it really looks terrible. One
1: of the quotes says, "What well, it says right there." They said it was crappy. It does yeah. without ignorance. I mean, they cast the first combo. That's <laughs> so great. <laughs> they pull a quote from an article where it says, Holy shit, this is awesome. And just the whole irony. <laughs> Jesus is God tier. Yeah. There it was. Holy shit, it's incredible. Someone's going to hell. It for better this. be at Evo. <laughs> so, this, I love, one thing I will say is they they have realized that they've sparked some controversy here because today it was announced. That Malaysia has banned Steam yeah. <laughs> because of this game. It has banned Steam. Not the game. The entire service that you can purchase the game on. Banned in a, an entire country well, that's, because that's of
2: this. That's one way to... I believe that's called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's you're
1: absolutely right. And um, uh, this, the developers behind this get it. They're, they're figuring out mm-hmm. it's this controversial thing because today... And what we just saw, that B roll that we used there, was two trailers put together the Jesus trailer and then the one with the reaction trailer. (laughs) Then the reaction trailer. And we cut the reaction, it all together reaction and, trailer, and a one I mean, piece of B-roll, and that uh, the reaction thing came out today.
2: Yeah, as soon as that Malaysia story broke about Steam. Well, you got to strike when it's hot. Yeah, I mean, they know that this is this is probably blown up beyond their wildest dreams. I would think. It, you know,
1: there's there's so many puns that you just said. Strike while the iron's hot. Like yeah. there's so many ways you can tie all these things that we're saying into the actual game and Jesus. So,
2: so much for separation of church and state in Malaysia, right? Yeah well <laughs> I mean there's probably places you could get stoned For playing this so. You're probably right
1: yeah Do you anticipate this becoming a, a topic here in the states Because look the Jesus trailer came out
2: People on Sifted loved it And they, it got a lot of one ups and blah mm-hmm. blah blah I don't know I mean I don't But no I one don't, seemed offended by it or No either. I don't think like I don't think most people are going to be that uptight about this Especially because like you know like there was some some people kind of complaining about how far cry five maybe is showing religious people i mean but you know that that was a misnomer, but it's like Religious people are crazy, or they're trying to kill. This shows. I mean, this shows Jesus is kind of badass. Yeah, like, it I mean, does. I mean, I don't. I mean, there, I guess there's like, unless you think it's disrespectful to include him at all. Right. Um, Which, you know, for some people, it may be. Well it may be, but I think you know, I know a lot of like people I grew up with who are hardline Christian people, and a couple of them I even saw. They think this is awesome. Yeah. Like you know, they think of you know Jesus as their their warrior in life, along you know, put on your armor of God and do all that stuff, and this is, you know, and they don't. They wanna they have actually talked about playing it and like, you know, winning matches Kicking against win matches against the gods they don't believe in. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Osiris. You know? I guess for for some religious. Because if there's something people, that hasn't been beat down enough, it's ancient Egypt, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess for some religious people it could be kind of cathartic to play it, right? Yeah. Beating sure. up Buddha with Jesus and it's really crazy. I but, mean it's also like I might have a soft spot anyway, just because like I sort of miss the days of like the shitty Fighting games, yeah. Like the shitty. They kind of went away the... with the N64 yeah. era. But that used to be like a thing. You know, it's, if you were if you thing? were gonna yeah. make like a like a crappy one-off, cheap ass, like let's just cash it in as fast as we can game. It used to be fighting games. Like now you're that right. was what you made. Yeah. Even Naughty Dog did that. Yeah, you're right. Day.
1: I mean, I guess probably it died in the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. Yeah. That was kind of the last generation where you had these crappy fighting like games for, that were for the new together. century.
2: It's like we all agreed we weren't gonna do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> A private agreement, but uh, yeah, that uh, they're brave. But I think it's all driven by revenue and right. money. So,
2: are they really all that brave? They're just well, trying to I make mean- cash. Uh, brave slash foolhardy people would put Muhammad in it. Yeah, um, they.
1: No, you're right. Note they did not go that far. No, they're
2: not willing to risk life and limb. I guess in the Charlie Hebdo uh, situation for yeah. a shitty indie game. Which I didn't I, even think
1: about that. Actually, you're right. Muhammad's not in there. No. Yeah, well, what if
2: that's the DLC that's coming? Well, that's. I mean, that's <laughs> like you know, there is no rule in Christianity as far as I have ever known of depicting Jesus visually. Right. And that is a thing in in Islam. Um, so that would probably be by definition offen- like, I, I Offensive, think, yeah I think the question of putting Jesus in this is offensive To Christians as a matter of opinion Whereas uh, putting Muhammad in Would be a matter of fact Doctrine that, that, yeah. a, doct- yeah, a, a doctrine related like you are As a Muslim you are supposed to believe that is offensive But as we thought. all
1: know It appears that the Muslim That Islam in general is open to Translation in a lot
2: of ways oh, yeah. Because obviously we have Not everyone would be and, offended by it Right really. Um, but there are some moderate Muslims. Oh yeah, millions, yeah. millions and millions. But like, uh, and most, and most of them probably wouldn't even care. It's like, yeah. who, you know, who cares? The some,
1: problem is the ones that do care. The ones that do care <laughs> could be, a, could be an issue. Really, is just like, really there's dangerous. a very big
2: reaction difference there. Yeah. And I, I you know, everybody kind of used that kind of little gotcha thing. like, well, when's when's Muhammad coming? And it's just right. like, well, because it's not probably worth that. No, it's definitely not worth it. Yeah without a doubt it's not gonna and up... i don't say that it's like a criticism of one religion over another it's just like that's the reality of the world we're in right now and yeah. and the and the things that other people have had to deal with and i don't blame them for looking at that and saying we don't want to be part of that yep i agree so i think the game's only like 15 dollars on steam yeah, i mean it's, it's gonna come and go like that and it's not gonna who cares like it's not it's you know i'm pr- never gonna play it. <laughs> i mean I, as much as i enjoy that trailer i'm not gonna pay money for that what so. are the odds you think it'll appear on fox news Better than average. Yeah. <laughs> I mean give it <laughs> time. Yeah. I'll tell you what they should do is I'm surprised um, it hasn't been on there already. Is as the hype or the, the kind of the kind of the 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 joke dies down as the year goes on, they should put Christmas D L C out. With
1: Santa Claus?
2: No, like we should. You should just like, oh. you know, like, 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 I don't know. You could have a nativity scenes. Uh, I like how the trailer says spread or... the message of peace. Right, and then it shows him beating people up. Well, once everybody else is beaten, to, beaten into submission, it's peaceful, it's peaceful. right?
1: <laughs> you can't hear anything. They're not.
2: They're not bugging him anymore. Yep. <laughs> all in your perspective uh or like you know like uh like some hanukkah dlc for moses or something just just to just to you know that doesn't even make any sense because i think he predates that in the the biblical timeline But um uh you know just to really tweak it you know i I think you get back in the headlines if you do something just you know audacious enough in that respect yeah they're treading on thin ice i think though Eh. what do they got to lose (laughs) yeah
1: exactly they were gonna sell no copies of this right. game until this, so they've already made a masterful. At the very least, what's gonna happen with this game is all the YouTubers are gonna buy it.
2: Yeah, and it's, play gonna, it. it's like I mean, they're even saying that the kusoge thing, which is you know Japanese for shitty game. Yeah. Um, you know, intentionally, you know, it's like it's like watching a bad movie on purpose. It's right. like you know YouTubers gonna buy this up and. Uh, and play it and laugh at it and make fun of it and mod it and do things. And then Jim Sterling's gonna act like it's a problem that it exists, and that's gonna be the end of it, you know. <laughs> and the cycle will be
1: complete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next, we're gonna talk about a franchise that's been away for a long time No More Heroes. Suda51 talked about No More Heroes at the unveiling of the Switch in Japan. Cryptically, I might add, he didn't really say much about it at PAX this past weekend. It was mm-hmm. unveiled in full. Uh, for now, a Nintendo Switch in- exclusive. It came out this week that it's not
2: 100% going to stay a Switch exclusive necessarily mm-hmm. forever. Well, they want to make money somehow. Yeah.
1: So.
2: <laughs> if it can run on the Switch, it can run on anything. So. Yeah. Uh,
1: what's your opinion of the No More Heroes franchise, Matt?
2: Uh, I love the first game, and I was not particularly impressed by the second. Yeah. Um... I I love the set, the first game a lot. Like I I gave it a five out of five in the review on X Play, and I've played it probably three times straight all the way through. I have never finished No More Heroes 2. Yeah, I find no I've Mo- hardly Ro- even played the second. One. I find two to be weirdly nasty and kind of like.
1: It wasn't really tongue in cheek anymore. No, it it yeah. felt like
2: you know, like like it felt misogynistic a little and cruel in a way that it wasn't winking at itself anymore. No. That's it just how it was. And the first game kind of played it all as like a like a we know we're terrible sort of inside joke. And two didn't feel like it was playing that joke anymore. And I and also no, it was too I, serious, yeah. I thought. Well and also I just didn't feel like it was I didn't think it was fun. Like the gameplay parts weren't fun to me, and the bosses weren't as interesting outside of the one like superhero guy who merged into the giant robot near the beginning. Yeah. But uh, no, I just didn't. I just two didn't didn't have that same tone and that same click that the first one did. So I'm I'm tentatively looking forward to this. I'm a little disappointed that Robin Atkin Downs is not Travis again. Yeah. Uh, they're, I mean, although you know people are tweeting about it, so maybe that will get fixed. But like. Travis' is, is performance from him is is was, you know, kind of key to the character and I don't know if you're going to find someone who who match that. Uh, the other thing I find interesting is that he said that uh, this is not 3. Really? He said this is a, more of a he's like he didn't want to call it a spin-off but it's like a side story and he's like if this is successful maybe I'll I'll make no more heroes 3. Like this is not 3. To him.
1: Interesting. I did not I didn't read that, but the one thing I would say is I've I wouldn't say I love the first game. Um, the first I, game is heavily flawed. I just, it is. I just love it. It is. It's it's, I think it's a the perfect case of style over substance. I right. Think. And yeah. I like it. Like I'm a fan of Killer Seven. I like games like that that just really just kind of throw all the gameplay stuff kind of to the side and just concentrate on story and characters and kind of putting the player in uncomfortable positions. But the gameplay in this series has not been great. Mm-mm. And as a gameplay first kind of player, that's kind of one angle where I've been disappointed in in the past. But it's, and I'd agree with you in the second game, the first game was worth playing for the characters and the story alone. And just how over the top it was, particularly for a game that was releasing on Nintendo consoles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there was kind of that whole run there on the Wii where you get these crazy over the top games that didn't really match the, uh, the the audience of Nintendo consoles, typically Nintendo's audience anyway. I went back and looked at the sales numbers for the first two games, and they are abysmal. Yeah. I mean, abysmal. between. It's, it's two... a little shocking that they're
2: doing another one. Really.
1: Yeah, particularly on, an, on Nintendo platforms, because mm-hmm. I think that's what held back the first two games. I mean, I think total between the first two games, they sold like 300,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Total between both. And oh, the first also... one was like... Two hundred and
2: some. The second
1: one didn't even sell like a hundred
2: K. Second one didn't move the needle at all. No, it just came and went. Uh, and I also will say that uh, they did a PS3 version of the first one that I think is way better because you don't have to do the do the wiggly the waggles. Right, stuff. right. Um, and it looks better. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll keep my eye on this one. Um, I just don't I don't know if there's anything in the tank. You know, like, I think it may have been a one trick pony. Yeah. And certainly games of a similar ilk have not. Interesting, like Lollipop Chainsaw. I kind of hoped would be sort of a a spiritual successor, and I found that game to be just stone dead boring. It was, yeah. Like maybe, maybe this was like one one off, and that's all all you get. Matt, do you think Suda Fifty One might be a little overrated? Yeah. Yeah. A tad. Yeah. I like him. I think certain players. I like his. I mean, I generally like his stuff, and I like him personally. He's a he's a cool dude in, in person, but um. I feel like it, it's always high concept and low execution. That's the perfect way to in, describe it in, in, a, in games, a lot of yeah. places. And uh, if you can get past that low execution, the high concept will carry you to, carry you to glory. But if you can't, then there's not going to be a whole lot to latch on to.
1: I could understand why there are some people that love his games. Oh, because yeah. Because some
2: people put a bigger
1: emphasis on story and characters and things and narrative and things like that uh, than they do on the gameplay. But I think for the average consumer, his games can be a tough sell. And a lot of people might be better served just watching sort of No More Heroes, the movie on YouTube, where they mm-hmm. just sn- snitch together or stitch together all the cutscenes from the games. And you just watch them as if it's a movie. Um, because the actual parts where you play his games are typically not that great. Um, no, the,
2: it's usually the payoff that makes it worth it. Yeah, the, the, I always the, found the myself kind uh, of suffering through the gameplay to get to the next cutscene. Or at least to see what the next boss fight was. Right. And which these games are, you know, mostly boss fights. Because he
1: is great at that, man. He's great at creating characters, compelling characters, mul- characters with a lot of depth mm-hmm. and multi-layered. He's, satire. he's
2: great at satire and, yeah. and usually great at, you know... And
1: inside like, jokes, he's good at that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But when it comes down, and maybe that's not his fault, maybe it's just Grasshopper. Maybe Grasshopper hopper yeah. just doesn't have the staff or the chops to create games that are compelling to actually play. Yeah. And sometimes you run into
2: a thing where, like, like the open world of the first game is, you know, a lot of people complain about how it was like, you know, it fell into the same traps of mediocre open worlds everywhere. But, like, it's hard to tell if it did that on intentionally or not. It's right. so like, as kind of like a, a commentary on that. But then, even if you're making a commentary on that, it doesn't make it any more fun to play. No. Which is sort of the, the barrier between, like, doing something like that in a narrative medium and doing that in an interactive medium. Where it's like, if you did that in, like, a movie, I would get the jo- the meta joke and it would be funny to me. But, like if you're going to make me play, like, 17 hours of it, like, that's a very different beast. And
1: then you start to wonder if Suda is just using those jokes and those kind of nudges, winks, and nods as camouflage. Mm-hmm. To, to say, hey, my team at Grasshopper, we're not, they're not so good at creating game the gameplay part of games, but we're really good at this other part of it. So if we make fun of the other part mm-hmm. and make it seem like we're self-aware... That that's sort of a deficiency in the game. Maybe people will start to think yeah. what you said is like, oh, maybe it's a commentary or, or yeah. something like and that. and I
2: mean, and you know, there. I think uh, No More Heroes Two is a decent bit of evidence toward that. In that, once you remove that sort of knowing, you know, wink towards that, it becomes a lot more tedious to play.
1: Yeah, I felt a little dirty playing the second yeah, game. Yeah, same. And there aren't a lot of video games that made me no. That it way. just
2: it it just felt gross. Manhunt was one of them. Yeah, Manhunt would be one of those as well.
1: Um, there are some What was just, that the military shooter that was just like over the top gory? It's like S- legendary. Soldier of Fortune? Yeah.
2: But where you can like where it tear was just the worst like,
1: like, gore. Like yeah. Kingpin. That was another game that made me feel uneasy playing it. Yeah. Kingpin it. was like that too if you've ever played that. But that's um, the problem It's, like when you have a game that's all gore and has
2: no art to it. Mm. Ugh. It's just icky. Fun fact the king the review of Kingpin on uh uh, extended play, or I guess it would have been probably would have been GameSpot TV at the time aired, I think, the day or the week after Columbine. Oh, really? And they didn't realize what was in there and oh, went Oh, my gosh. Did you get
1: backlash for that? I that didn't, before I didn't, I, got I there. didn't work there yet. Oh, okay. Those before I've both just heard our that, time.
2: Yeah. I've just heard that story. Oh wow. And Adam will tell you the story of like of like suddenly realizing, oh my god, like that's a bad that's mistake. in the next episode. Like we got to move, and so I think they they caught it after one airing or something. Oh, okay. Or maybe it before. but it was like or maybe they caught it before it aired, but like that was a sudden. Suddenly that was a thing people had to think about. Oh it. yeah. But like I remember Kingpin being one of the earliest one because I didn't play it until a few years ago because. Uh, I think Adam actually told that story in a panel at PAX or something, and somebody came up after and said, oh, by the way, because I said I'd never played it, and somebody said, oh, that's on Steam now for, like, $2. And I I went home, and I bought it, and I played it. I'm like, yeah, it's gross for the time, definitely. When games step over the line. All
1: right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about a game I have been playing, a game that I have actually had some time to play and finish the first episode anyway. Well, that's good,
2: because I haven't played this at all. Perfect.
1: Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, It's a prequel, to life is strange. Matt, were you a big
2: fan of life is strange? The first, oh,
1: yeah. the first game.
2: I liked it a lot. I think I gave it like best adventure game or best something that year. Yeah, I think we both did actually, if I remember correctly. It was
1: really good. Yeah, we're both fans of the first one. Then, mm-hmm. um, second one is a prequel. Uh, it follows Chloe, but she's younger. She's like preteen. It's from, it's like it a couple be, years earlier. Yeah, it's not like she's a child or anything like that. She's just starting to figure but out... she's
2: sort of, you know, because in, in the original game, Max comments on how different she is, and this game kind of explains how she became different, yep. you know? Yeah. Uh, in the sense that, like, when you meet her in the first life is strange, she's more of a rebel, sort of rock and roll girl with, like, you know, smoking in her bedroom and doing all that. And like this, that's not the person that Max remembers from four or five years ago. But she
1: is that person already in this.
2: Yeah, but like you can see, you see sort of where it got to the point maybe where where she's not as shocked when Max tells her she can reverse time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, there's, there's a little explanation of of how because there's a very there's a Twin Peaks. Influence to this yeah. series, and yeah, uh, and there's a little bit of there's a little bit of Laura Palmer to Chloe, and uh, I can see where they're going with that. My main issue with this series is it's not by the original developers. And it's, it's not, and, and Donod
1: is working on Vampire, Vampire, and took this one off. This is what Deck Nine, I think, is I the think developer so, yeah. of this. And then
2: because of the strike, uh, Ashley Birch couldn't voice Chloe. And she did consult on it, but I don't think the voice is... Why was she allowed to consult but not do it? Because voice... Should she not
1: be allowed to work on it
2: at all? No, because actually doing the acting is the only thing that counts. I mean, I will say this much. It's hard to tell that there's a new voice actor, believe it or not. Mm, I've seen the trailer, and I can, te- I can definitely
1: tell. You can tell, but I think if people didn't... Most people don't know who Ashley Birch is, is no. not what I'm getting at. Like, but we her... do. Like, I worked with her for years at game trailers, because she mm. did, Hey, Ash, what you playing, and... She would come in and do stuff with us when she was in LA, so right. I'm kind of her friend in a lot of ways.
2: So I know her voice really
1: well. But I think people who just casually played the first game, I don't think they're even going to really notice that. Sure, but I mean, as a,
2: I'm a voice actor follower, and I'm also a big fan of hers as a voice. I, did, yeah. I never really watched Hey Ash, what you playing? But I think uh, I enjoyed her as Tiny I was one of the few who enjoyed her as Tiny Tina in Borderlands Two, and yeah. I th- think she's great as Aloy, and she's great as Chloe, and I think she's a real she's a real find, really talent wise. And I just think, I mean, as much as I like this game, uh, the first Life is Strange, I just think it's a shame they couldn't use it. And I know it's, not, it's not you know, their fault. It's not anyone's fault, except, I guess, the union. Um, but you gotta... I, mean, I, I pretty much support what the strike is after there, but it's just a shame that it's starting to impact games that I otherwise would probably want to play. Yeah. I'll get, I mean, I'll probably play it eventually, um, but buying it full price at launch is not for me, considering how many misgivings I have about it. Yeah.
1: Well, this game... <sighs> It starts, we're seeing the very beginning of the first episode here. And it essentially starts with her turning into who she is in mm-hmm. the original. Um, this is kind of her first forays into, like, the underground. And she's this This whole scene is uh, she's going to this illegal punk rock show in the middle of nowhere in this barn. Um, she's young. She shouldn't be there. Everyone else is adults. And one of the new mechanics, if they're... I guess you'd call it a mechanic. One of the new mechanics in the game is this, what you're seeing right now. So the conversation trees in this game, your goal is to basically shit talk. Mm. I mean, that's really what it is. You're trying to manipulate people using arguments and insults, essentially. Um, And there's this new interface, and you'll probably see here in a second, that pops up on the screen. So each conversation is kind of broken up into sections and nodes with kind of big goals. There you can see it there. And you can kind of look at the map of the conversation and kind of figure out, okay, there's you can see there's like two big points that ultimately you need to make to get what you want and what she wants to do in this section of the game is get into the punk rock show she has a fake ID and the doorman's being hard with her and you basically have to butter him up using trash talk for lack of a better phrase to get into the punk rock show Um, and that's really the big mechanic because so far the whole time manipulation thing isn't even there And I think for a lot of people, that was kind of the big hook about Life is Strange that got people really into it, was the ability to kind of rewind time and try things again. Because like the first game, you make decisions in this game that alter what happens on down the road. Um, In the first episode, I think I ended up having, because you make decisions all the time, but there are special decisions that you make where the game tells you, hey, this is a big one. Like what you do here is going to alter things on down the road. And I think in the first episode, I got like five or six of those maybe. Um, So you kind of go through this whole scene where she's discovering herself and kind of getting involved in in the underground, so to speak. Um, And then it goes kind of back to the way the first game is. You go home, you wake up in your room, you go around your room, you check stuff out, mom is downstairs. And it is very interesting because you're you're not just learning Chloe's origins. You're learning the origins of everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: all the people in your school that you met, like you you meet younger versions of them, um, and you kind of figure out you start to figure out kind of how and why people became who they ultimately became in the next game, um, and I think that's interesting. It, it manages to add some depth to the characters from the first one, which is is pretty rare. Um, because you really don't understand their motivations or where those characters came from in the first game. And here it applies, it sort of fills in that gap for you. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I think the one thing I would say is that it feels more like a generic adventure game than the first one. And a lot of that is the time manipula- manipulation. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is that because you're kind of like, you're in the same house and it's your mom, it's the same mom. And so there's a familiarity with everything in this in this game. Like you meet the mom's boyfriend and how the whole relationship started and how her mom, you know, after her father was gone looked for loser men to fill the void of loneliness that's in her life and then you go into the relationship of Chloe and and I think people maybe who are in families that were raised by a single parent have all gone through this where your parents get divorced, the one parent leaves and you're you're living with just one of them and then there's that awkward transition that you go through where you start to see your parent date other Mm -hmm. people and if your parents were never divorced it's Mm -hmm. really hard to deal with because you're raised as this is my mom this is my dad i know what their roles are i know what my dad does i know what my mom does i know how they work together to help raise me and then suddenly when your mom or your dad starts dating some person that you've never met in your life and they're like suddenly at your house and you're like wait who is this Mm -hmm. person i don't know It does a good job of kind of laying that out for people who have been through this situation in real life. I think it tackles kind of that topic pretty well. Um, And and like a lot of modern adventure games, you kind of have license to navigate that relationship how you want. You can be the peacemaker. You can be nice to your mom's boyfriend and kind of create that relationship and, and kindle it. And in a lot of ways, while you're playing it, you're like, okay... Well, if I make friends with this guy, you know, this could make pay dividends on down the road when I need help with something. Or you can just be the punk rock rebel and reject the guy and kind of start off that whole relationship on the wrong foot. And then who knows what perils that or maybe that eventually alerts your mom that he's a jerk and it saves her life or whatever. So these are all kinds of the things that are going through your mind while you're making decisions and playing through this game. And so I think on that level, it definitely succeeds. Um, I guess if I had one big criticism of it, and I've seen some people say that the dialogue's awkward and stuff like that. I haven't really run into too much of that. I think the voice acting's been okay. Um, but I think the problem is is that this first episode does a really poor job of establishing any kind of real strike. Like, mm. right at the end, it ends on kind of a cliffhanger. But it feels cheap, because it feels like they were like, hey, this first episode, nothing really happens... Mm-hmm. We need to make sure people come back for episode two, and out of nowhere,
2: this thing kind of happens that I'm not. It's interesting not spoil. because like the first game escalates. The first game escalates it pretty fast. It does, yeah.
1: I think one, it's a new developer, and I think maybe they went a little bit overboard on saying, "Hey, we're, this is our first time we're working on this franchise. We want to make sure we ingratiate the fans of this series into our take on it." And so I think there's probably a little bit too much of the, hey, here's the younger version of all your mm-hmm. school friends. And, hey, here's this long, drawn-out conversation with mom. Remember her? Here's the house that you were in in the last game. Remember this? Remember the bedroom? Remember the living room? Remember the fireplace? That type of stuff. Um, I still have enjoyed it. I-, I. It's hard for me to say that people should buy it, though. It's always hard with episodic games to tell people to buy them for one, like, one by one at 10 to $15 per episode when you always know that... And there's one of the decisions, one of the first ones you make that affect what will happen later on down the road. But, uh... It's always hard to recommend, at least for me, for someone to buy these piecemeal and mm-hmm. buy them episode by episode. And look, there's—I think fans of this franchise—they are pretty
2: dedicated, and I think they'll probably do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I definitely tend to wait until all the episodes are out because you get the... it cheaper. You and get you it cheaper. You don't have to deal and... with the cliffhanging. BS. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I mean, look, Kentucky Route Zero taught me some things. Yeah. You know, and still not finished. Yeah. I mean, I guess next year when it hits consoles—that's what it is. Yeah, I think when it hits Switch. Yeah. It, 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 it launches for Switch next year. And that's and when episode 5 comes out. And that's when out.
1: the final episode comes out, yeah.
2: And that'll be, that'll be a good one. I mean, that's a great game. How like long has it been in development now? Four or five years. Yeah. It's been a long time. For an time. episodic indie game. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. I mean, time. it's very, it's definitely its own thing. It's magical realism doesn't happen overnight, but it's uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I usually wait, and like especially because like yeah, you know, like I bought uh, Guardians of the Galaxy: Telltale like off the bat because we wanted to talk about it, yeah. and now I'm you know there's still only up to three. I mean, uh-huh. it's, I think it's gonna be Christmas before it's all out, Probably. And, I'm, and I'm waiting to play the rest of it until then. And it's just like mm, I hate doing that. Yeah, because in the end, I'm gonna play it all again anyway because I don't remember anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, there that is one thing I would say. This game does not have like a flash forward. Mm. To show you what happened in the, it would you know normally it'd be a flashback, but right. in this it would be a flash forward. It doesn't really have that to give you kind of context with the characters, mm. but I found that that ended up not being a huge problem. I wouldn't think so. Um, the characters, that's the one thing the first series did really well was establish these characters and really mm-hmm. let you get to this know them. This is also and,
2: kind of the question like I don't really have any questions about Chloe's origins. I don't I don't feel like the game the first game. Left, left anything all that out, out. Yeah. It, and it also like it wasn't relevant. It's like, it's like the it's like the people that ask like you know and. and it's, but
1: here's the thing: it's not her that makes an impact in this. Though yeah. it's the other kids at school, because hmm. you in the first game. These kids have already kind of found their established roles. There's the jock, there's the nerd, there's the crazy rich kid, there's the, well, the
2: bigger part of there's it is, the
1: the beautiful girl who gets whatever she wants. Right, well, and I figured the part of it rocker.
2: is uh, part of it is this uh, the girl who saved her. I assume is that is the girl I can't remember her name anymore, but the girl who's who's vanished right in, in the in the first game, and because you find out later that Chloe is friends with her, and I assume that this is mainly the story of their friendship. Yeah. Um, which I guess could be interesting, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, some people love Fire Walk with Me, and some people hate it. No, that's and, a good point. Uh, and yeah. the the the, uh, the question of whether that that story is necessary is always. You know, I mean, they're about to do a, a TV series about the origin of Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's right. Nest, which is like, what? <laughs> really? Not everything needs Why? a goddamn origin story, yeah. people. I I never wondered how Corella Deville became that. Yeah. Like, they have a song about it. She's evil. That's it. That's all you need. Now there's probably there is probably some some ground to cover if you want to do this friendship between these two girls, but it's like you're gonna have to really sell me on why I need to know more than girl was friends with Chloe and is gone now. Yeah. You know.
1: I, I did enjoy kind of the character building of her. I just friends. feel
2: it feels a little bit like stalling for time until Don't Nod can get around to making Life is Strange too. Yeah.
1: Basically. Well, you know Don't Nod was not going to let them make the sequels. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. had to figure out something, and they can't let the, the franchise just sit there. You can't there. sit
2: there for four years.
1: No, right? because that's a death knell in the games industry these yeah. days. So I get why it's done this way. What I've played so far, is pretty much up to quality of Don't Nod's game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel I'm. Narratively
2: gonna, though, you're right. It it doesn't have as much of a punch. Mm, I just feel I'm going to end up getting this in a humble bundle in a year. Yeah. You know, I just I, I I'm don't never, we say that about every like indie game though. Yeah, but like <laughs> normally I wouldn't have thought I'd say that about Life is Strange, but I just can't see a reason to prioritize this in terms of my interest in in the world and the story. And I don't say that to like impugn the writers of this. Yeah, it's yeah. just like. Like, it's just not something I ever asked or asked for or wondered about, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and maybe I'll get around to it one day, but there's so much other stuff stuff to play right now.
1: Yeah, all for sure. Um, and I would say on Sifted, this game has not been tracking especially well. Uh, so I would. It, it appears that a lot of people agree with you, and they're just not particularly interested mm-hmm. in sort of the origin story behind if it.
2: If it was still Ashley doing the voice, I might...
1: Interesting. Know, have gone forward because wow. I
2: think I think she 's great, and I would have maybe done it to support her, yeah, uh, because I think she's one of the best uh new voice act you know I mean she 's not new necessarily,, yeah. but she 's rising to prominence and has been getting the bigger roles, and I think uh she's growing into it and doing it really well, and she 's one of the best we got, so I would maybe want to do that to support her, but like me. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> she's also a good person, by the way. She's so I hear. Great. I've never met her, but yeah, she's great. So I hear.
1: That whole team that worked on Hey Ash, all those people were amazing. Mm-hmm. And we actually ended up hiring one of the editors, a video editor who worked on that project, ended up becoming one of our video editors at GT hmm. after a while. So, yeah. So it's hard for me to recommend for you guys to buy this at full price. Uh, I did enjoy episode one and had a good time with it um, and enjoyed kind of getting more depth and backstory on the characters but it's just it's too steep and it, it took me like two hours and 30 some minutes to finish it mm-hmm. um and I, so i would say pass but keep your eye on all the episodes as they come out and we'll try to talk about a lot of them here on game phase as they come out uh, but try to keep an eye on all those and keep track of it that way when inevitably the master version or whatever comes out where they have all the episodes packed in mm-hmm. and you can get a little cheaper uh, you'll know whether you want to pull the trigger or not so all right. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about a beta that's been going on for the last couple weekends. Call of Duty World War Two. Uh, did you play it this past weekend when they added some of the stuff? Or did no, you just play I, it, the it the first weekend? I played
2: it the first weekend. Most, I played all the different modes, but um, I don't know. I mean, I played. Uh, played there team is Death. boots on the ground. Yep.
1: <laughs> first shot is the boots hitting the ground.
2: I played <laughs> uh, like team deathmatch for a couple of rounds, and uh, I hated it. I do I not. Just, I do not like this game, Matt. Um, I found it was way too circular. There was no way to know when when everybody was going to come at you. There was nothing. There was no like tools to use against them. Everything. Everything. You, your time to death is insanely low. Like. I just didn't have fun playing it.
1: I can I can talk. It burn. felt weird An hour power like, Why I don't like this. game. And I was
2: like sitting there thinking cause I was just, and like my girlfriend was like, watching some. And I'm just like I hate I hate playing this. And I'm like I think it's just because I suck at it. And like and I was like I'm, I'm gonna go on the show and Shane's gonna be like this is like mechanically amazing. And, blah, blah, <laughs> and I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> be like I hate it because I can't kill anybody because I suck. And it's just like you know I just it just didn't feel good to play it.
1: Well I, I'll say something good about the game before I I rip into it. And the first thing I want to say good about it is that I love the war mode. I, think I the, do like War Mode. War I did mode really enjoy is that. It's really freaking cool. It's basically, there's I'm a tired spot. of the map. But, yeah. Uh, but it, I, I, I really liked
2: it. I, I, that was the one thing that I played multiple times uh, because I wanted to and not just because I knew I had to to talk about
1: it. Yeah. I mean, the concept behind it, and you're right, you get sick of playing the same map over and over because it's debated and it doesn't have the full right. suite there. But the actual concept of this mode, I love no, it. It
2: really works. And it, it actually reminds me of uh, Onslaught. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Unreal Tournament. Yeah. Um, which I, I I like having an objective and sort of a narrative flow to like a, a game like this. I think, and it's not I think overbearing it really either. It's not no. like you're
1: sitting watching cutscenes. But you can see here like one team is building a bridge. Mm-hmm. There's like these mid-match objectives that you have to complete. And mostly it's kind of like a front-based mode where you have to push the front forward or yeah. have to, you have to defend the front.
2: But it po- it eliminates the problem I have with so many of the other modes is like the, the maps are so... they seem kind of small and very circular and like there's just no way to kind of establish a perimeter or anything. Like, like, there's always going to be somebody behind you. And yeah. it's just like, that's not how war works. But that's, <laughs> like, I mean,
1: that's one of my major issues with the entire multiplayer suite, the maps. Mm-hmm. I hate the freaking maps. They, it's like you said, they're circular. And you just, I, I got shot in and the And there's back. always a
2: flow to these things, but it just feels so Dude, I got lame. spawn camped over and yeah. over in this game. Even by Call of Duty standards, it seemed pretty crazy. Brutal,
1: dude. People can drop in behind you. Right there, you just saw it. The guy just drops down. Like, you never saw him. That's what happens to you in this game. You're getting shot constantly by people you never see. But the thing that didn't help either is that by the time I started, every single player I was playing against was max level. Mm. They were, like, at least level 25. And And that's the other part that drove me crazy about this game is they had a huge advantage. Like, usually in Call of Duty... Sure, you start, you don't have any attachments, you get a decent option of base weapons to use, you play a couple matches where you get your butt kicked, eventually you get a couple upgrades pretty quickly, and you can be competitive. Dude, in this game, the unlocks in this game are completely unbalanced. Everybody that I played against had those dragon fire shells. Literally one shot sets you on fire, you die. So guys just run around and just one shot everybody. And it's just you just look around and everybody's on fire burning on the ground. And I had not, I I never even got them. And it just, it was just a slaughter, dude. Like, none of the matches were close. Um, they were always
2: blowouts. Um, I was. I did get a flamethrower eventually, because early on I was like doing the same. I was like, "Oh my God, the flamethrower!" I keep getting not killed by these flamethrower guys, and finally I got a flamethrower. I'm like, "Oh, let's see how you know lame this is." It was clearly. I figured it was something like the shotgun roll where like so people figured out. But no, the flamethrower is god. Yeah. Like it's just I was just mowing down the entire enemy team, and it's just like wow. But, but the I mean, it is a beta. They need to balance. Yeah. It. I mean, Hopefully there's, but it's like you how can the mat, how, so. how much? Yeah. But how much real change happens from beta? Very to, to little. Final generally,
1: very little. Generally. Um, the maps. You're not going to completely redesign the maps. The maps are done. And that, Mm -hmm. to me, is the biggest problem. It's like, you have... The maps have too many choke points, for one, because there's all these trenches. And so you run down this, like, cattle chute, and it just turns (laughs) into this, like, who has the most people in the cattle chute wins the fight. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't sit still, ever. Ever. Not even for, like, two seconds. Like, there's no strategy to this at all. It's just run and try to sight people as quickly as possible, and shoot. I was so frustrated playing this game that I just kept playing it because I knew I had to. I was not enjoying it at all. And then I start going back to, does the traversal stuff matter? The traversal, it doesn't bother me that much. Like, I I do not miss flying and thrusting as much as I thought I was going to. (laughs) And let me tell you, I really thought I was going to miss thrusting. (laughs) <laughs> but seriously, like the traversal part of it doesn't bother me that much. It does play a little slow, maybe for my taste. That doesn't bother me that much. The actual fact that the weapons and the kill streaks and stuff like that are a little more primitive that doesn't bother me that much. Although so, I think they do take some liberties with some of the. Uh, some of the weapons in the kill streets. I think there might be a little alt history going on here yeah. in some regards. Oh, there's a lot of that, but it's, it's fine. That stuff didn't bother me either. It is really
2: just the map design of yeah. the game. Oh, the other thing, uh, the SMGs... Gotta get toned down yeah. if they haven't already been. I don't. Know. I haven't played it in the. I only ever round had access to the one, the grease gun or whatever. Yeah, the first, whatever the opening because I was having trouble with the because I like rifles better in general, like in, in basically in real life too. I mean, I, I think they're more interesting. I like the precision. I usually like the Garand M1 and stuff, and um, and I ended up like switching classes to the to the whatever the, the one that starts with this SMG, and all of a sudden like kill death ratio hit positive because the the SMG is god in yeah. that I mean it just it's so fast and it doesn't seem you know, it's like playing destiny with like you remember when like destiny 1 would have the thing where it's like oh this this gun type of gun is the best because when you even all the damage out uh in multi, in the in the crucible uh it hits so many times that you just die before you can do anything. Meanwhile, somebody with, like, a, a, you know, like, the normal handgun has to shoot you four separate times. Right, right. So I felt like that was happening a little bit with the SMG in this game. So I use the SMG constantly, and I was doing great. But, like, it still wasn't really having any fun, uh, except unless I played War. I think what ha- what they've done with this game is
1: because they took out a lot of the traversal stuff that sped up the speed of the game, I think they've created these small maps so that the game doesn't seem as slow and boring. Mm. Mm -hmm. And and instead, what you get is just people constantly shooting you from behind and killing you, getting killed by people you never see. Uh, Honestly, the only time I did well in this game was when I camped. Mm -hmm. When I just sat someplace and just waited for people to run into view. If I actually moved around, I just got annihilated. Um, And look, I'm not Jack Frags, who is playing right now. Thank you very much for the footage. Um... So, you know, for him, he probably loves it, because it's just more people in front of him for, to murder. I mean, seriously, he probably thinks this is the best Call of Duty ever. Uh, but for me, someone who has average to above average skill at Call of Duty, it was just completely frustrating. Um, it might have helped if I had started the beta when everybody else did, but that's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, people come into these games at all different points in time, and I just think it is just brutal for the beginner.
2: Um, Certainly felt brutal. Yeah, because I haven't played a uh, you know multiplayer in Call of Duty for any length of time, and probably God, Modern Warfare 2 was probably the last one. It's been a long, long time. It's not the first multiplayer shooter I played in a long, but it's the first Call of Duty in a long time, and I felt completely outclassed at at every turn. Um, I did like the like the character creation lets you create any gender or race you want. Yeah. Um, I'm a big World War II history buff and I do not care that that is not historically accurate. I think that if you want to play as who you want to play with you should be allowed to because uh, and it does create the odd situation of having black female Nazis but like who cares um, <laughs> I never thought about that. Because uh, there's, there's a certain point. <laughs> I kind of like that actually. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> that's weird okay but hey like if you want if you want to be some uh, character that looks like you or whatever or doesn't look like you whatever I think that's great that they allow that That's that's how it should be um, because if you're going to get in the horse historical accuracy thing, uh, there was also no point at which the Nazis and the Allies ran in a circle around a one particular bunker area until they all ran out of time, until 15 minutes were up and then they decided yeah. who'd killed more people. Like, that's not how <laughs> that worked either. Who can, who can also forget the time that Rommel got shot and hid behind a, a wagon for five seconds until yeah. he stopped breathing hard and then got back out, you know? like it's Yeah. A, like, there is no accuracy, there's no historical anything in these games, so why not make it as inclusive as you can? I I think that's a good move, and it's a good move, it's a surprising move to me from Activision, because Activision's usually such a conservative... Uh, company but like uh, not conservative politically but conservative in the sense of don't change anything it works the way it is and oh my god don't make it make any, anything different oh my god it might not sell 7 million again right i think the other problem
1: with this too is it because it's gone back to world war Two. i think a lot of people who have checked out on call of duty for the mm-hmm. last half decade or whatever are gonna check back in thinking that oh okay this is my speed this is world war Two. things are a little more slow and deliberate oh no these mm. The people who have been playing Call of Duty all along no, are, this just, is are just going to wipe them out. Yeah. It is going to be a total bloodbath. I've been playing Call of
2: Duty all this time, and they wipe me out. Like, Yeah, this feels real fast to me. Yeah. I mean, this is... It's not lawbreakers fast, but it's fast. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing and the difference between this and like something like say Titanfall two is I I don't feel like I have the variety of tools to sort of get myself up off the ground and away from everything. No. Nope. Whereas this is just, yeah, it's like you better aim straight. It's boots on the ground. Die. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Now that said, I do think it looks pretty pretty nice considering it's a beta and like I'm probably still in for single player. Do you, yeah, me too. Do you think that do you think the graphics look good in this? I don't think they look terrible. Like there's a lot of texture, like low-res textures in places yeah. if, because it's a beta and they don't want like, have to download gigs and gigs of stuff. I the, you already have to, I hope that's no, it. that happens with betas a lot. Because
1: to me, this game is not a good-looking
2: game. It's not ugly. Although I have seen ugly parts of it. Yeah, there are ugly parts. But I, but the animation I, I like, and um, I feel like it, it's got a good good feel to the animation. It's fast, like, it runs. It does run, r- run well, pretty much. But I'm in for the for the campaign, and I will probably play war. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I would ever go back to the Deathmatch stuff again. But I mean, I would, I'm going to play
1: everything. I, 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 the, I just want to see what they've changed. Right, after but at the, the very
2: at the very least, I want to see the other war maps. Yeah. Like I, 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 that was definitely the, for mode, sure. the only mode I really enjoyed.
1: No, you're absolutely right for me, too. Capture the Flag was a little bit better. Capture but there's the all kinds fine. of weird quirks with that
2: stuff, too. With, like, the way the waypoints work. Yeah. And but Capture the Flag is sort of the, I mean... Capture the Flag is the way Capture the Flag always was with me, where I'm not good enough to get the flag back to base, but I am good enough to stand to the side and shoot guys that don't As see a, me. Yeah. You know, it's like that, That's that's really all Capture the Flag is for, for me. It's like, what, well, what nobody's looking is, at me, so I'm just going to shoot you until you die.
1: What I liked about that and, like, Domination is that there actually was a little bit of downtime. There was actually yeah, maybe two so. seconds where you could actually think about strategy instead of just worrying about getting shot in the back. Uh, but in Team Deathmatch, it's like the way the spawns are The spawns need completely tweaked.
2: Uh, the other thing, too, what is the the top mode in modern Call of Duty? These days? I don't know. Like, it if, used to be team
1: deathmatch as far as the most players, um, and then I think after that, like domination, mm. just capturing old stuff, and then they always throw in the little things. And they're big for like a week, and then people don't care anymore. But here, actually, is my biggest complaint about this, Matt. The lag compensation is was terrible during this beta. I think somebody actually from Sifted was was had jumped in and was playing with me.
2: Guy, yeah, someone think, in the chat was saying they were playing with you. Yeah,
1: Killzone310, I think mm-hmm. his name was. I heard him, like, say my name one time, and then I recognized his name yeah. from the site. And, uh, dude, there was one part where he... We we're, I think it was a capture the flag map, and I was up at the flag. He comes around a corner and jumps down. I literally unloaded an entire clip into his head and neck, and then he pulled out his pistol and shot me twice and killed me. On his replay, I never even fired a bullet. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot. I've that a lot happened of that. over and over. Yeah, it so, wasn't like I only got two hit markers that were shown on his screen. I never even fired my
2: gun. Yeah, it was I, I, the kill. The kill cams were very different from what had happened on my screen. Multiple like constantly. So it, was, it was like a, bad though. Like I just do a little bit of it. Like this you was, know, I get five hit
1: markers on my screen. you this get was almost, two was on bad. yours.
2: Yeah, this was almost as bad as uh, Battlefront was yeah. a couple of years. Because I, I I think I told the story where I was playing with my friend. And we were on Hoth, and Darth Vader came at us, and we started to try to kill him before he got to us. And he basically peek picked me up, you know, did the Force grip on on me, and uh, and my friend killed him, and uh, and then I got the credit for killing him somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and he has he has a screenshot of. Of like him him shooting at Darth Vader and I'm like hanging in midair and it says my name, you know, right. Matt killed Darth yeah. Vader, and he's like, I don't even know anymore. Like he doesn't- I mean, this
1: is so bad, Matt. I actually shot him with a whole clip, again in the head and neck, and had started my reload animation, mm-hmm. and then he pulled out his pistol and shot me. And in his on his screen, I never even never shot, shot my gun. Yeah.
2: Oh, that happened in the replays all the time when I was playing this. It was just like, oh, that's not what I did. It's, it's really bad. bad. And, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, really ends up dissuading me from even bothering with multiplayer shooters much. Because, like... And I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't I don't have enough experience to know, like, is this just a normal thing and, the, and people play this accepted as part of the game? No, or cause, no, like, Because no. that just... Here's just, the other
1: thing, too, that I found is the longer I stayed in the same game, the better I got. Because if people dropped out, I jumped up mm. in the server queue and eventually I became the guy that was running the server. And so if I stuck in a game, instead of just jumping around and going from server to server, if I stuck into a game, as it went on, my kill counts, my KD <laughs> started going up. Like, it's garbage. And it and here's the thing, it is beta. So I do want to say before we kind of move on to the next topic here, it was a beta. And they put this beta out to test it. So, you know, this isn't my final opinion on the game. It could improve. Usually games don't improve that much from beta to final version but it could, and so I need to leave that door open just in case uh, they manage to get everything up to speed. They're not gonna redesign the maps. The maps are what they are. Mm-hmm. They can tweak spawns, which can make a huge difference in that the, the maps in conjunction with the spawns is what was giving me the biggest pause with this game. So, like you, I'm down with the campaign. I wanna play a World War II campaign again. I think it'll be fun and interesting and uh, all that, but the multiplayer, man, I am not liking it at all, so. We'll see. I mean the game comes out now, what in six weeks? Not even. Like five weeks. No, it? no, it's longer than that, no, actually. It's like, it's like it's like two months. Still. Two months. Yeah. yeah. So they do have some time. Hopefully they're doing a lot of tweaking and getting a lot of feedback. Because what I played so far mm-hmm. I was not a fan of. So Alright, let's move on. We're gonna talk briefly about PAX, but only briefly, because packs. No one cares. (laughs) Unless you're there. Unless you went there, yeah. Unless you're there and having a blast. And it is probably the best convention you can go to in the United States every year as far as just having fun and meeting great people. As far as covering PAX, nobody cares. Like, mm-hmm. all the stuff we put up for PAX and curated for PAX, no one cared. Like, view counts were, like, rock bottom. No one gave a crap. But probably the biggest story coming out of PAX was Nintendo's big push for indies on Switch. And Nintendo does this to PAX every year. It has this Nindies night that it does on the first day of the show. And it shows all its indie games. It did this for the Wii U. But this year was a concerted step mm-hmm. up from what we're used to from Nintendo's indie presence At PAX. I mean, it showed like 25 new indie games for Switch. And usually you get like four or five, and they showed 25.
2: Because it's all they got. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're right. And that's kind
1: of what I wanted to talk about. The B-list
2: games don't exist anymore, so this is what you use to fill the schedule. And that's that's a valid strategy, I would say. It is a valid strategy. And I mean, one thing I would say is Nintendo based
1: upon this, isn't just content with just saying, okay, we have all the same indie games that Xbox and PlayStation have. Because mm-hmm. it got some kind of an exclusive on Super Meat Boy Forever. It got timed exclusives on a bunch of other stuff. I think the, new sh- the last piece of Shovel Knight DLC is a mm-hmm. timed exclusive on Switch. So Nintendo is not only just courting indies and doing a good job of it, It's also incentivizing indies to give Nintendo preferential treatment.
2: It feels like they're doing a much better job at this than Microsoft is. Yes. And and Microsoft should be doing. Well, I mean, look, I don't know
1: about that because Microsoft does have its ID at Xbox program that is kind of an incubator program for. It does, but
2: I I think one of the keys here is there's a lot of games here uh, that they showed on this that I had never seen before. How about this game?
1: Did you watch see that shooter yeah. where when you shoot people, if you shoot their leg, your leg grows bigger and their leg yeah. shrinks? <laughs> it's freaking crazy. What's the name of it? I can't remember I now. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, we'll see it again here coming up though. But uh, I think what happens with Sony and Microsoft is that it's just a given that every indie game is coming to their platforms. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they don't have to put effort into it. Nintendo... Is fighting an uphill battle. It needs these games to fill out its library. Microsoft and Sony can just count on it happening. Nintendo, that's not the case for Nintendo. No. And so I think what it's doing is incredibly smart. Now, look, if it's taking away from other things Nintendo should be doing, then it's not a good idea, but I don't think that's the case. No. I think this is a division that Nintendo set up inside the company, and its sole purpose is to go out and make sure that indies are coming, and apparently now to make sure indies are coming exclusively to Switch or at least on a timed exclusive. So... I think it's smart, because if you think about the Vita, Matt, and it it's very easy to compare, or at least look at if Switch. If I have to. Right. <laughs> but it's very easy to look at Switch and then kind of look back through history of what happened with the Vita. Mm-hmm. And there are people who love the Vita and still love the Vita. And why do they love it? All the indies. Yeah. Being able to take indies on the road. And I think that's one thing that Nintendo has recognized. And I think that's an advantage of Nintendo being a Japanese company, was watching what the Vita did in Japan and seeing how it remained a viable platform much longer and then looking at the Western market and saying, well, it wasn't really a viable platform after the first year in America, but the people who continued to use their Vitas, what were they using it for? It was to play these indie games mm-hmm. on the go. And so I think this is an incredibly smart or strategy. Or an
2: anime porn. Right, I was, I was or whatever.
1: The multimedia properties. Yeah. you got to find your
2: niche. And, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Which is something you can't do on Switch. So yeah. Nint- Nintendo's probably not going to go for the... Uh... The anime porn thing. No. <laughs> I'd say... I'd say definitely not. It's, uh... Which... I mean, those ga- I mean, they're not porn, but they're like, you know... They're, they're, Are they? Eh, <laughs> they don't go far enough to be porn, which is kind of... It's kind of... It, they're kind of this You know, to bring up the Spice Channel for the second episode in a row. Yeah. <laughs> that's After pretty doing much... 100 yeah. episodes <laughs> yeah. without ever mentioning it. <laughs> that's basically what they're doing on the Vita. There. Yeah. But, um, uh... But this, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that looks good here. My, my concern, uh, as someone who owns a PC that can run all this stuff, is... Uh, how's it going to run? Because, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the... Yeah, there was there was minor frame rate issues in the bonus stages in Sonic Mania, yeah. which I like, feel like that shouldn't be a thing on modern hardware. No. But I mean, you know, if, if Nintendo's supporting this stuff, hopefully they'll get like stuff optimized well. Well, I
1: mean, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, you're gonna to have to start buying micro SD cards to play all the features all in some games. Yeah. Like NBA two K eighteen, if you do not have a micro SD card, you cannot play all the modes in the game. Mm-hmm. And now, that every it seems like every week there's like a LA Noir was just announced. It's being revived yep. um, for VR and it's coming to Switch. On the Switch, it's going to cost $10 more. Mm. I mean, it's funny. And
2: really, 40 bucks is already too much for that game. No, I absolutely. Think. 50 bucks is just like that, that, Forget car, it. that cartridge tax. That's is insane. It. It, it, it is
1: insane. Um, I just can't understand how Nintendo is so short sighted to put so little storage in its system again after mm. the Wii U. I, it is mind-boggling. S- storage is so freaking cheap, dude. There's no reason for this at all. I uh, So, look, while I think Nintendo is making the right moves with its indie stuff, because, look, Nintendo figured out a long time ago it cannot produce enough quote-unquote AAA big-budget games to satisfy its platform. Mm-hmm. And on the Wii and the Wii U, it was way behind as far as indies were concerned. And I think it concentrated way too much and cared way too much if the indie games that were coming to his platforms were exclusive. I feel like it it had transferred his first-party strategy over to the indie stuff coming to his console. And now that Nintendo's like, whatever, we'll take all the games everybody else is getting, maybe incentivize some of these developers to do a little something extra for our platform, or give us a timed exclusive on it, I think it's a really smart move. And the other part of it too is that Nintendo fans are generally core gamers. Like, the kids, obviously. There's sort of that whole kids' market that buys Nintendo stuff, or their parents buy it for them. But the people who really love Nintendo, they know games. And they know all the games that are coming out. They're into indie games. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a smart move by Nintendo. Uh, And it's a noticeable move. Like a lot of times when corporations change strategy, you can hardly even tell that they did it. With this, it was blatantly obvious. I've never seen Nintendo push indie games like this, ever. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's good to see Nintendo at least learning in some ways from its past failures, even if it didn't uh, with the initial hardware uh, for Switch. And I, I st- it still boggles my mind how little memory there is in Switch. I'll never get it. Especially if you're thinking, if Nintendo was thinking mm-hmm. all along, hey, this new strategy we have is more indies, which are all downloaded. Yeah. You don't ever buy box copies of indies unless they become Smash Hits and then they put out a box version of it with all the DLC and whatnot. Typically, you're going to download this stuff, and while they're not huge downloads, they still take up space. So, mm-hmm. I mean, my Switch is already full. I don't know how you're sitting on
2: yours, but mine's already full. So, yeah, I, I got two games, so it's not a. Well, I, you only need a couple more, and yeah, it's full. Well, the the, uh, the other thing I think they, I hope they improve their store. Yeah, because the Switch store is just pathetic right now. Because you can look at new releases, you can look at popular releases, and you can look at um, upcoming releases. And you cannot browse, yeah like otherwise, if you want a game that's not on one of those three like promoted categories, you have to search for it directly, yeah. and you can 't just like look through genres and yeah. early on, I get you know that makes some sense because you don 't have enough games to make up genre fill out those categories, but as you move forward, like especially with games like these, like you 're going to want someone to kind of browse an impulse by, and they, they need to get on that like it's just the the lack of movement on the online stuff on that system is a really is really concerning and I, I it was you know people were asking it's like whoa like they they put uh, l a noir on on there and not g t a five why not g t a five that ran on three sixty and p s three I'm like, well, because Rockstar probably wants to wait until the freaking online works yeah. properly because yeah, that's where their money that's is made, made on g t a five yeah and so that's what they're. I mean, look, La Noire was not my first or second or third or fourth pick for a remaster from Rockstar, nope. <laughs> but like, uh, but it was the quick and dirty, easy yeah, one for it's, them. It's the offline game; they can they can unload real yeah. fast, and and you know, not have to worry about the infrastructure. Get something on there, learn the system, and maybe next time we'll get something else. That you know, I mean, look, I don't care about playing GTA V on Switch, but like, it makes sense. It's I mean, on everything story. else.
1: The big story is. Rockstar on Nintendo platform. Right. Because right. it's been, since the Wii, Rockstar yeah. Table Tennis, I believe, was the last game Rockstar released for Nintendo Yeah, unless there
2: was something like, some, rock, some like permutation some something permutation like a Bully math or something? I don't, or something? There was. I don't think so.
1: I don't think so. I think it was Rockstar Table Tennis was the last one. So. That sounds right. But here, just to put it in perspective, we've been talking here for, what, 10, 15 minutes about this. Mm-hmm. We've seen game after game after game. Like, there are a lot of indie games coming to Switch. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that looks good here. I think that's a big deal and it's something Nintendo hasn't had. I think it's going to soften the blow of the usual long sort of hiatus between first party software for for Nintendo consoles. So, you know, we were kind of wondering what comes after Mario. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you got Smash and Pikmin and some, some things there. But these games should be able to fill the void nicely. It seems like the average consumer is becoming more welcoming mm-hmm. of games like
2: this as well. Um, Xenoblade did finally like, slip the next year. They admitted that. Did it? Did it? I didn't did hear they that. that. I thought I heard that. I didn't hear that. Did that not happen? No, I don't think Maybe so. Maybe that's just what I'm expecting. It was at PAX,
1: and I didn't see
2: any reports like that. It got glowing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up with Nino too. Yeah. Inokuni 2 slipped in January. It did. That's right.
1: Yeah, but uh, glowing reports on Xenoblade Chronicles 2 out of PAX, by the way. Mm. So keep an eye on that one. Looks like they're
2: saying it's still coming by the end of the year. I'll still be surprised. If yeah, I'll does. still believe that when it's in my hand, yeah. but, you know, we're getting we're getting close enough that I'm starting to believe. Yeah. Seriously, because at this <laughs> yeah. point, you kind of have to say yeah. it's not happening. But okay, uh, we, once we cross into Q four, if they haven't said anything, I'm going to have to say uh, no. Yeah, it's coming. Then. It's coming because
1: then they're they're liable to the stock. Yeah, you're liable to the distributors. Yeah, and, and distributors. And so, yeah. yeah. So, breaking point for that's coming up real quick. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about the remaster of the first Yakuza,
2: Yakuza Kiwami.
1: hmm
2: Matt, you've been playing this game. Yep. And it's it's. It's Yakuza. I mean, it's 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 really good. I mean, I haven't played the first game. You know, the PS2 first two games were on PS2, and they're yeah. pretty primitive by modern standards. Uh, they were kind of primitive by then standards, frankly. Yeah. Um And so uh, this th- game, even this remaster, is a little buggy here and there. Yeah, it's all right. It's I mean, it's, it's it's running off the same stuff that Yakuza Zero did, um, and it's it's also by the way, uh, you know, so a lot of people are kind of thinking, oh, this is a perfect jumping on point. No. If, you decide, if you're going to get into Yakuza for the first time, play Zero first. Yeah. Then play this. Yeah. Zero's a prequel to this, and then there's a bunch of stuff they added to this that ties in with the new story elements of Zero. So there's a bunch of stuff in this game that you're not going to pick up on properly if you don't know what happened. See what talking about
1: about the bugs? Like, right there, that character model just, like, shook and shivered. And, like... Oh, no, that's
2: intentional. Really? Yeah, that's like a, he's, he's supposed to, you're supposed to be surprised by him there. Oh. Like, that's a, that's a, that's <laughs> ma, see, that's Majima. Interesting artistic choice there. It's an anime standard thing. So, that's Majima. I'm actually, uh, expect- i I'm
1: especially proud of the, uh, of the pun for yes, this
2: topic. Yes, very good. <laughs> The, uh, so that's Majima, who was the other playable character in Zero. He's kind of the standard crazy person in in the series. He's a fan favorite. In the original game, the when they dubbed the dubbed the original game for a U.S. release, uh, Mark Hamill did his voice. Um, so the, one of the new features is called Majima Everywhere, and he just when you get out of prison because uh, Kazuma ends up going to uh, going to. Um, Prison for ten years. So it starts in 1995, and uh, his buddy sh- kills the, one of the yakuza bosses they work for, and he takes the heat uh, and goes to prison for it. And comes out ten years later in 2005, and uh, everything's super weird. But um, and things politically, everything's changed for like the local yakuza stuff. And this, it, you know, it's, it's a, as, as with all these games, it's sort of like a like an infighting political maneuvering real estate scam <laughs> in the end. <laughs> uh and um which is great. It's 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 and it's all done very dramatically and it all works. It's great. But um so when he comes out of uh <laughs> he comes out of jail he has lost most of his fighting ability, even more so than in the original game. Whereas so, when most
1: people go to jail, they actually
2: learn how to fight better. Well, the thing he's, <laughs> they actually address that and that like no one wants to mess with him because he's uh, so tough. So he so he's, he got he's soft out of, Yeah, he's, he's out of he's out of shape. He's out of, he's out of fighting shape, and. Um, so Majima, who uh, who is like a rival with him, uh, decides like he's gonna get him back into full fighting shape. So he's like, I'm gonna be everywhere. So like at any point in this game, you can be ambushed by Majima and have to fight him. and he, He's disguised as cops. He pops out of sewers. He's disguised as schoolgirls. Like he'll pop up behind you at, i mean there's no you can't possibly <laughs> predict where he's going to be and it's the only way to upgrade uh Kiryu's best fighting style which is dragon style yeah and um so that's what that was was like he he was a cop and suddenly Kazuma realized he was a cop and that's why the camera did that got yeah got you. um Maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know, because to me that doesn't look weird at all. It's just like, oh yeah, that just means that he's surprised by something. I get it. You know it's like character models have got a huge upgrade. Character models look great. I mean, it's, it's all the Yakuza Zero engine. It's all using the fighting styles from Yakuza Zero as well, which was not part of the original game. Um, it you know it feels a lot better than the original game in terms of sort of like presenting the story and obviously it's, it's everything's voice now. There's not as much text. I mean, there's stuff that's like text and voice, but it's it's all acted. It's, English? It's good. No, no English. <laughs> You don't want it. I don't want English for these games. Really? Like I think no, no. They're 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 so. I mean, Japanese. they are set in Japan. They're so I mean, Japanese. They're set they in Japan. Japanese. They should It's 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 all part of the deal. I mean, yeah. The the dub had its charm back in the day, but they haven't done another dub since then, and I have never missed it. Yeah. So. Um, Probably better that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's great. Uh, it's it's there's not a whole lot to say about it if you've already played Yakuza, but it's like. It's great that this exists. It's great that they announced they're doing two as a, a Kawami of two because yeah. um, two two is um, two is narratively probably the least relevant to the overall story but it is definitely the funniest game in the series um, It plays with things the most and there's some side quests in that game that you that are just completely out in crazy town uh, up to and including like busting up a. A, a Some yaku- street
1: gangsters. A yakuza, there's, and two.
2: There's a whole quest that goes, just this long shaggy dog story that winds up with you walking in with a bunch of like hardcore gangsters all dressed as babies, in diapers, <laughs> and you have to fight them in a, in like a i mean, fake that's, this street. series is good for that. I mean, oh, yeah. just
1: lots of weird in these games. So
2: it'll be great. Hopefully they bring that. Yeah, it's coming out in December in Japan. Hopefully they bring that over next year, uh, probably around the same time because Yakuza Six gets its uh, U.S. release, I think, in March. Right. And. Um, the whole series will be right here and playable in, on modern consoles through PS3 and That's PS4, which is great. It is. And it's amazing to me that these games keep making it here, frankly. I mean, we've got two Yakuza games this year. That's insane. That's insane. Like, Sega, Sega does not give a shit. Like this, Yeah, this we can't
1: is, get Fantasy Star Online too.
2: The site's still up.
1: <laughs> I don't get it.
2: Like, the, the Western
1: like... site's still up. <laughs> Who should buy this, Matt? Um, um, what if somebody's, like, looking at maybe Agents of Mayhem or this game... I would
2: buy Wait. this over *Agents of Mayhem*. Really? And, well, I mean, it's not the same game remotely, but like this well, is I a mean, way open-world t- action game. Mm, not really. I mean, this is a this is an action RPG with a bunch with a largish map of yeah. streets to run around in. You're, one the of the combat in these games, though, is pretty. Yeah, it's uh, it, to me, it gets old after a while. Uh, it. What was the last one you played? Because they've advanced it a lot in five and five and zero y- in this. No, Yakuza Two, I think, was the last. Okay, one I played. so you, yeah, they re- they've revamped the combat system twice since oh, you okay. played, played one of these. I mean, but in this one, is it revamped? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. It's the same combat as uh, as Zero. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, with the stances and all the the, the you know like that, that like upgrade screen you saw there like. That's ten times more complex than the original games. Yeah, it's uh, they're very different now in that regard. They don't feel. And the the other thing I will say about this this game is way harder than Zero, okay. because when he comes out of the out of the joint, he is actually pretty terrible at fighting. Uh-huh. And your life bar is short, and he's awkward, and he doesn't lock on quite the way he should. And as you add more moves and add more abilities, he becomes he a better. much more competent fighter. But, like, there's, you know, I think certainly early parts of Zero were not as hard as the early parts of this. Okay. Um, so this is a harder thing. There's a lot more story-driven stuff early on in this, so you're railroaded a little bit more. Yakuza 0 sets you free sooner, which is another reason I would recommend that one first over this one. Um, but if you like Yakuza 0, you should absolutely play this one because this, I think the story's a little better in this one. Is this full-priced? No, it's 30 I think. 30 That's pretty good. I mean, these yeah. games are long. Oh, you're getting sixty to a hundred hours. Yeah, I thing. never you finished
1: Yakuza 2 because it just at a certain point I thought the combat got really repetitive, mm. and it felt like I had only got halfway there, and I was like thirty some hours into it, and I was just like, I got to move on. Oh, so. it's got it's.
2: I mean, you could if you bought the whole series, you could spend a year. Wow. Easily and playing and playing <laughs> nothing else. I think. Wow. I, I mean, like for the amount of time, like an average person has to spend on games, I think you would you would take you about a year to get through all all six of them.
1: Big Shenmue fans should buy this, right?
2: Yeah, Shenmue fans, and also just fans of a like, kind of crime stories, and if you're willing to have a little fun in it, um, I think it's uh, it's worth playing. And uh, if you like any kind of you know, yeah, there's, there's a whole genre of Yakuza films yep. uh, that exist, uh, mainly the Battles Without Honor and Humanity series, which this takes a lot of uh, inspiration from. And uh, and also if you just want something that, like, is different. Cause it's, for sure, it's, yeah. It's, there's nothing else like these games out there. And
1: I think if you want to, with a wink and a nod, obviously, if you want to learn a little bit about kind of Japanese culture, I think uh, these games are kind of good for that, too. Right. And I think Shenmue was really great for that as well, so.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this one goes for broke in a, in a larger it's sense. It's certainly over the top, yeah.
1: and yeah, but it does kind of hint at what it's like to live there and kind of the things that are going on. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I ever went to Japan our fixer who is basically someone you hire to go around with you who translates and kind of shows you the city the first thing he said was if you're walking through here and you see someone in a suit do not look them in the eye Mm -hmm. and i was like why and he's like well they're yakuza and you just don't look at yakuza and i was like okay and even being in japan i don't know i've been there how many times i've been there well over a dozen at least you don't really get it, like, because you, I never saw one. I never saw someone who I thought was Yakuza, but just being mm-hmm. warned of that, it kind of puts you on edge a little bit. And then when you play this game, you realize it's an exaggeration, it's a caricature of that. But right. it kind of explains, like, the whole, the way things are set up, the way the society is set up, uh, and why people are so fearful of
2: the Yakuza. Yeah. I re- re-ran into a couple at one point, and... Uh... They were very nice. Yeah. (laughs) They were in the same bar, and uh, uh, there had already been some drinking, and there ended up being some singing, and they sang along, and they waved goodbye when we left. It was very... There you go. They were older, though. Yakuza, they're not all bad guys. They they were just there trying to have a good time. It was all right. Everyone likes to have fun drinking, I guess.
1: All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a remake that, in my opinion, did not turn out anywhere near as well as Yakuza Kiwami, Mm. and that is Secret of Mana. When they started leaking that they're remaking well, We didn't even know if it was remade we, I think the initial leak was like Secret of Mana Coming to new platforms and I was like I'm totally cool with that Because mm-hmm. it is one of my favorite Retro RPGs of all time uh, Called Final Fantasy Adventure in America um, When it was released But no Matt Instead we get this weird I, I don't even know how to Explain
2: this game that, to is, be... that is an art style choice I will say that Yeah <laughs>
1: Dude, it's like it was made for the Ah, N64. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's awful, dude. I cannot believe it. It's like they're taking a part of my childhood and just wiping their butt with it. I just... I would have been far more happy with Secret of Mana, available across all platforms, with high-risk (laughs) sprites.
2: Jeez, that guy's face.
1: Oh, all of it. The whole thing is just terrible, man. Yeah, it's like a crime against humanity. and so when I first saw the debut trailer I was like oh that doesn't look good look the one dude has no nose none of them have noses and then I was like alright well maybe once I see the gameplay then I'll kind of come around on it and then they showed the gameplay at PAX and it's just a completely different game I guess it has Mm -hmm. the same plot same characters Um, I'm assuming the same systems under the hood and the same number crunching that's going on but as far as the presentation is concerned it's
2: awful like, I don't understand it. It looks like a mobile game, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Square. Square does have a history of doing the mobile things, and then just slapping them onto other platforms without. I mean, they did that with Final Fantasy VI too. Yeah. I mean, I like Secret of Mana. Uh, isn't that in? It's in the Super Super Nintendo Classic coming up, right? I believe so. Yeah. I think I. I think I'd rather. Just I think wait we already on failed
1: on figuring out what games were in the Super Nintendo Classic, or at least I did. <laughs> the one time we talked about it, I was like, I wish there was, like, another Punch-Out in there. And, like, it has Punch-Out. Oh,
2: Punch-Out's in there. So yeah. punch out. But I'm pretty sure this is on there. The original one of this, which is... Uh, I'll, I'll probably just wait for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's tough. When how, Were you a big fan of Secret of Mana back in the day? I wouldn't say I was a big fan, but I did enjoy it. It was one of my favorites, favorite turn-based RPGs back then. Mm. Um, for whatever reason. But uh, seeing it be desecrated like this is is hard to watch. Um, I think it comes out early next year on PS4, Xbox One. I don't know about Switch, though. I can't remember if it comes out on Switch. Mm. It looks like a Switch game, though, doesn't it? I
0: mean, yeah, it looks like it was it built does.
1: natively for the Switch. And then they're going to up it everywhere else. But, uh... Yeah, I, there's not that much to talk about with the game. I just wanted to bring it up and get it on everyone's radar in case they care. I was once a huge Secret of Mana fan, and I was really excited for it when I heard about it. And then I watched this, and it all went away. So Yeah, I
2: did, I'd didn't. i heard about the, the remake, but I did not realize it looked like that. That's
1: it. Hmm.
2: I don't know. Saves me some money.
1: It does, that's for sure. <laughs> and a lot of time, because that is no small game. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Mario... Mario, Mario, who we've always called, at least I have, I can't tell you how many times across my career I've written the phrase Portly Plumber Mm. when talking about Mario. Because, you know, when you write, you have to come up with different ways to say the same thing. Right. And in a lot of ways, being a good writer is someone who can do that well, who can come up with plenty of synonyms and different ways to describe something. And so Portly Plumber was one that I've fallen back on many times throughout the years. If you can do a Google search of my name and then any articles I've written, I'm sure Portly Plumber would come up at least a few hundred times. (laughs) I cannot use that anymore though, Matt.
2: No, they I can
1: still use Portly.
2: Yes, but the plumber part. Although even then he's a little, he's more or less a little roly. Yeah, inside. he
1: yeah, they have kind of slimmed him down over yeah. the years. Um, but Nintendo now says that he is no longer a plumber. That if he ever was. If he ever was,
2: <laughs> but if I really think about it, like going back through the history of Mario, was he ever a plumber? I don't know. I mean, originally he was a carpenter. Yeah. I in, mean, uh, if you think about it, he he's in sewer pipes. Yeah. Well, the original, originally he was a carpenter in uh, Donkey Kong. And then the ads for Mar- the original Mario Brothers, the home version of Mario Brothers, were like a comic uh, with a song in them, oddly enough, which yeah. is you can't sing in a comic, but okay. Um, and it was Luigi. Luigi was a plumber. And he was having all these monsters pop up through the pipes. And he was freaking out about, Mario, where are you? And, like, so Mario's supposed to go help his brother deal with this plumbing problem. So, originally, it sounds like Mario was a carpenter and Luigi was a plumber. Although, that may have been the origin of Luigi being an ineffectual idiot. Like, coward. (laughs) Like, that was probably the first time that ever happened. Um, And then just everything got associated with pipes and stuff. And, like, you know, just calling them both plumbers seemed to be the the natural you know progression of events i mean no one's stuck being a carpenter forever if they don't want to be i guess yeah but in the end he seems more he's more like a um i don't know like mushroom kingdom roving security guard like sports maniac yeah i I think that's
1: what happened to nintendo it just it it certainly it realized at a certain point that he's anything but a plumber i mean he does everything he's like an athlete more of a handyman yeah you're right that's probably the best way to put it uh a jack-of-all-trades, maybe, is another yeah. way you could describe him. He's certainly not a plumber.
2: and He's not just a plumber, anyway. Right, right.
1: And uh, so the, the sad part about all this, Matt, is that certain people have decided that this is Nintendo making a political statement. <laughs> that uh, Nintendo's trying to... I don't know what, what they're thinking, but they're trying to basically say that Nintendo's trying to box out the working man. Yeah, okay. They don't want to, They don't want the working man
2: to have that one
1: mascot that stood for them and represented them in video games. What do you, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah,
2: nothing says working man like a dude who like plays endless numbers of, of high end motorsports motor on the weekend and hangs out with royalty. Yeah, like, like yeah. who <laughs> hangs out with a princess? Yeah, working man. But
1: uh, I just found it funny that, like, it seems like in today's climate, like, people will try to politicize anything. Oh, yeah. They tried to politicize Mario being a plumber.
2: I love the idea that, like, Nintendo would ever consider anything. I mean, has Nintendo thought that deeply about any Mario character in No. If anything, Nintendo does
1: everything it can to
2: avoid that type of stuff.
1: Like, if anything, Nintendo's thinking on this was like, well, we don't want to call him a plumber anymore because he needs to be for everyone. Right. Not that they're trying to exclude someone. It's not exclusatory. Mario can be whatever it's you want to be. It's They yeah. want everybody to come in. Yeah, Mario's for everyone. Not just the handyman
2: or whatever. But maybe that's where the root of the problem is. Is He may not be a plumber, but he's a big fan of plumbers. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, keen interest in plumbing. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> I just, it is like the graphic says, Plum Dumb. The whole
1: thing is just completely stupid. Um, I think, I mean, first of all, I think Nintendo coming out and saying he's not a plumber
2: anymore is dumb. I think the reaction to it—it yeah, it is, is weird. Dumb. Like, what made them feel like that was necessary at this point? Maybe like, there's
1: something in Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, mm. if anything, wasn't this really his opportunity to be a freaking plumber? I mean, he's he, got New Donk City.
2: Yeah, he's he finally somewhere. Around, he's um, finally somewhere. There's plumbing. He can go
1: right. He can <laughs> go around and unclog pipes all damn day
2: long. Like. They, this Maybe seems- he doesn't do that, and that's they got ahead of that, so it explains yeah, they, why.
1: <laughs> They're trying to get ahead of the no plumbing controversy <laughs> before the hashtag starts. Hashtag no plumber. I, I don't get it. I don't get any of it. I don't get why Nintendo made a point to to announce this. I don't get. I don't get why people are up in arms over it. I, I don't get any of it, but. I guess some people just need to generate
2: outrage for some reason, Matt. I, I don't understand it, but you know, people take their Mario very seriously. Apparently so. Frankly, I thought it, I thought there should have been more outrage over the fact that his name is Mario Mario. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: man with first and last first names and last, is the same. And Luigi's
2: name is Luigi Mario, which like that makes <laughs> Luigi the normal one. People right. like that. Him and his death stare. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next
1: about Destiny our last Mm -hmm. normal topic of the week destiny 2 rather um i have not had a chance to play much of this i played a lot of the beta Mm -hmm. but i've not had a chance to play uh the final release of this because again i've been working on the patreon like an idiot um so i've had very limited time to kind of sequester away to play video games matt how, how much have you poured into this game again with a caveat for people who may have never watched this before uh, Matt is a huge, huge Destiny fan of the first
2: game. I don't know if I would say fan,
1: but mm. you play the Live and out a lot. I play
2: about two hundred hours of it. Yeah. Um I put a I put a fair amount into two. I I think two is really good. Like it's it's uh, getting game of the year discussion yeah, out there. I mean, it's uh the the first game was a really solid, like, core gameplay mechanic which is blowing heads off. I mean, moment-to-moment... Moment <laughs> yep. moment. Ultimately, yeah. Moment-to-moment yeah. moment, gameplay feels really good. Like, And the wrapper on it was... Everything else was just sort of mediocre. This one is a legitimately great game from top to bottom, I would say, with the exception of some of the microtransaction stuff and the fact that you can't reuse shaders. But um, overall, like, what I've, you know, so I... Well, let's
1: talk about the shaders thing before you move on. Yeah, so,
2: in the first game, this shaders... This has turned into
1: a huge controversy over the last two days.
2: The fact that shaders are now one-use consumables... Yeah. So like, the shaders used to be, if you had a shader, you could use it as much as you wanted. And now, if you want to use a shader, it consumes it when you apply it to a piece of equipment. Uh, and you have to hope you get another one from another loot box, I guess. Uh, the the main problem here, I think, is that, um, well, A, it's, it's a downgrade from how they worked before in terms of player friendliness, and B... Uh, consumer friendliness. The uh, like you can only part of the issue thing here is like you can apply shaders to individual pieces of armor now and weapons and stuff and you kind of want to see how things go together but you can't do that cuz to preview the shader all it does is paint the whole character with that shader right, right. so you can't see what you'd look like with this shader just on your chest piece with like everything else the original color or a different color um and so people are reluctant you know and and they're not like super rare like you know a lot of people are saying that like they have, oh I have like stacks of 3 of each of the ones I want to use and it's fine you can do that but it's just one of those things where it's like why 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 take that step backwards what
1: when... has been bungie's response on this cuz i know that it's, I haven't it's seen dug anything its, it, yet. i know one thing it's dug its heels in and said it's not going to change it
2: Mm-hmm.
1: which Bungie typically has been pretty receptive to user feedback, but in this well, especially case...
2: Especially on De- Destiny, they, they did a lot of changes that the player base like basically screamed at them about in Destiny 1. But
1: in this case, I do know that it is digging in its heels and it's not willing to compromise mm-hmm. with what the players are asking for.
2: Uh, for now. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's like, is anyone going to stop playing it for that? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just part of the game. I mean, they, they've also streamlined a bunch of other stuff to a degree that I think makes it easier to play. You don't need exotic shards anymore to upgrade stuff. You just need legendary. I mean, the, it's it's friendlier in a lot of other ways, but it's just like, you know... The, what about that,
1: the leveling? Is there the whole light thing again?
2: Yeah, it's there, but Is it's like... It? But it's like, you know, it's just... The number goes up as you equip more equipment. Yeah. Like, there's only one stat for it. It's, you know, it, it applies... It's the, the average of all your stuff, weapons and armor... And it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Everything has got, has got like a light recommendation rating and like, you know, you're, you're fine. It's, okay. it's very simple. It's not, it's, it's not like obtuse in the same way that, the, you know, like the first game you had like the, like the armor rating was not the same as the light rating. The right. light rating didn't become a thing until the end game. Yep. And it never really explained what that was. Now the yep. light rating is just, that's just your armor rating. Gotcha. It's just your armor oh, okay. armor and damage rating. It's just like a, your general indicator of how powerful your character is. Um, so let's talk about so. what everyone cares about
1: at least what I care about, and what I think most people who are not huge fans of the first Destiny care about,
2: is it grindy? Not so far. No? Um, I mean, I'm not level 20 yet. Right. I'm like level 13, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, and the leveling goes fast. Like, it, I, I know a couple of people that hit level 20 in the first day of playing. Wow. I mean, you can you can burn through it pretty quick if you want, especially if you want to play multiplayer. Um, and uh, the... I think the strongest thing about it is like, you know what, where it used to be more of like you were in a hub area and then you went to the loca- the open world location and yep. you did your thing and you go back to the hub area yeah. to pick up your stuff and go back. So that's gone now. Okay. So when you go to like a hub area, it's more, when you go to the, the, the planet, it's more like an open world area and there's like a guy you can talk to in the first area. You can fast travel to the main area. And then you do your little story thing. And then stuff starts to pop up. So there's like public events happen semi-regular, much more regularly than they did in um, in the first game, and with a lot more warning. Uh, they appear So on you the,
1: don't end up jumping into something you can't handle. No,
2: and also so like you're not stuck wandering around looking for one. Right. So like they pop up. If you go to the map screen, it shows you where you they all where are. You know where to go. For yeah, the you map? know exactly oh, where great. they're going to go. And then you can go and there's a flag sitting there and like the countdown starts usually like 3 minutes before it happens and you like you can activate the flag and it'll put the countdown on your screen so you know exactly when it's happening. And
1: does that send a beacon to all the other players so they can come Everybody and join knows it? it's there. Okay, yeah. cool. And
2: um the uh, but the thing is like the 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 map is just way denser now. Like there's little nooks and crannies to look in, there's little stairways, like buildings you can go in, things to poke your head in. There's always something there. There's always like, car- like monsters in there. There's always some kind of enemy. Usually sometimes there's an elite enemy that pops up. And the thing is like when, mostly the time when you kill anything that has a life bar that's a different color than normal red. They're going to drop loot. They're going to drop a chest. They're going to drop. You're constantly getting rewarded for things, which feels a lot and even and which feels a lot better. And the rewards are less scattered in the sense that almost all your main rewards for like the first area are this little disc that you then turn in for reputation at the guy who stands at the main cathedral when you're there. And like as you 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 level that up and you get more rewards from that. And it's just, like, it's much more straightforward. It's not like, okay, collect these and then collect the spin metal and then get the spin metal to do this, and then you have to spend this much spin metal on... It's like, right. it, that, that stuff's just not there anymore. It's like, you can still collect little items, you know, little, like, you know, harvesting items from the the area, but they still go back and get turned in for, like, redeemed for, like, reputation at the at the guy. It's not, like... They've they've gotten rid of a lot of that MMO clunkiness that made you feel like you were juggling 14 different inventory items and didn't know when or how you're going to use them and if you were ever even going to use them. Right. Um, and if they you know, it just it just feels like your 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 moment to moment like gameplay is still rewarding in the sense it feels still feels good to pop ahead, but it feels like the game doesn't expect that to be your only reward for killing things. Like you're always seeing stuff drop, you're always getting something for doing what you're doing. And then there's a ton of different story content you can do. It's like the adventures are sort of like side stuff, and then there's the main campaign story, which is usually a a much more involved mission. Whereas the adventure stuff tend to be more, go to these places in the open world, and a a triggered event will happen, and you'll get like a nice piece of loot for it. Um, The second, first area you go to after Earth is on Titan, and it's like a, it's like um, it's essentially a. Abandoned ships in like a like a like an archeology kind of place, and like there's a lot of cool uh, physics stuff they're doing to that because the ships are moving, oh, okay. and so there's like stuff, you know, rolling back and forth, and like you don't know, you know. There's so gravity. Like... There is some gravity happening. There's some some tricks they're using that they didn't use in the first game. Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like just yet another, um, you know, just place with trees. You know, like the, like the 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 Titan place is, is is a giant ship graveyard. So you're jumping from ship to ship and you're all it feels very different than any any area that was in, in Destiny 1.
1: How about the how MMOE does it feel? Because the campaign section that I played in the beta, it didn't feel that way at all. No. I mean, there are moments where people kind of appeared and helped you with big battles, but it felt like a really good campaign for a really good first-person shooter. Does it stay that way throughout the in- entirety? I would entirety? Say
2: the main campaign stuff st- stays that way. Wow! Like it's it's that's uh, huge. It definitely feels like it was made by the guys who made Halo. Wow! And uh, and the adventure stuff isn't too far. The adventure stuff, the the kind of the MMO open-world thing, is is a little more transparent. But the campaign stuff is very story-driven and cutscene-driven and. And the other the other thing about it is like you know the very beginning we saw in the in the beta like the you know the, the the cabal basically steal the traveler and shut out all the light and stuff and one of the first things that happens after the part where the beta ends is you find a shard of the traveler that lets you get your light back so you are the only guardian early in the game that has your powers gotcha so you are the best the the the, the bad you are the master chief yeah I mean you are you're the master chief. you're you're, yeah. you're running around and you're the only one who can do it and uh-huh. And everybody's talking to you and talking about you, and like so that that makes it feel a little more like that kind empowering. of empowering. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, because that's
1: one thing I would say about the first Destiny is you never felt like you were a super soldier. Right. You just felt like you were just like anybody else. Right. Which has its charms, obviously. Yeah, but and, you,
2: and you are working to have that be the case again. You want to restore the Guardians as part of so the. You're trying, the, trying of the plot. you're trying to help everybody Trying to
1: help. So you're like play to make the game more boring.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, kidding. I feel like the end game is like gonna be you know the thing where everybody's back up to power and you can do your thing again. Yeah, um, but uh, and it's funny that like there's characters returning from the first game whose names I could never remember that I remember now because they're done as characters better in this game.
1: Ah, interesting. There's a lot
2: more radio chatter. There's a lot more personality being on you know putting, being put on display. Uh, you know, previously I think the only character I could really remember the name of was Cade Six because it was Nathan Fillion. All right. And now I now I'm pretty aware of who everybody is and like that the guy who runs the the, the Crucible actually had a name. <laughs> right. Just, right. His, his name is Shaxx. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. I that. I felt
1: that way about Destiny in general. Like just yeah. all the words they use for everything, I could never remember any of it.
2: Yeah. And there's like, the villains are interesting because the you know the the big uh, well they
1: establish a real villain. Yeah. The like big right ball guy
2: age. is 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 a good dude. Is a is an interesting villain and. Well, what he's after is interesting, like how and kind of the, the idea that these other alien races are jealous of, of us because we have the Traveler and the right. Traveler picked us. Yeah, and then he's got his like right hand man, the Consul, who um, is voiced by Frank Langella, uh, doing um, for most people our age will probably know is Skeletor from the live action right. He Man movie, and he's on fire in this one. <laughs> he's because the the console, the Consul is like the really like the best lifelong friend of the big bad guy. And so, like, and they're both, like, super familiar with each other. So instead of being, like, the scary, bad Darth Vader guy who kills all his right-hand men, like, they're buddies. And, like, and the the console guy is, like, I'm going to make you emperor. You know, you, there's nothing you will want when we're done with this. And, like, so they're, they're, like, they're conspiring to make their empire, like, warlike again, basically. Uh-huh. And, um... It's a fascinating, and I'm, and I'm sitting there kind of like, oh, is, is Frank Langella going to betray this guy, or is this a real thing? And, like, and like, I don't know quite where they're going with that, and I think that's interesting because uh, while it, they could have been a really cartoony sort of like ha-ha-ha villain, like I'm not quite sure what they're after yet, uh, besides just basic power, uh-huh. and I wonder how that's going to play out, because it seems between every major campaign thing they do a little cutaway to the bad guys, and like there's a much more... It's much more narrative driven. It's fleshing the world out in a way that the first game just never even tried to do, and uh, and it's got me interested in what's happening beyond what my you know what my armor looks like. So you're you know? not getting
1: the MMO stuff where it's like go here and kill five of this stuff because that's what the side quests were in the first game. There's still
2: some of that, but like put it this way, like the first time I had to go kill a bunch of guys to like and have them drop the little you know the little icon you know like tetrahedron things to yeah. pick up five of those, I, I think I'd been playing for like three hours. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it's not as common as it was. And it's not... You're not just, like, going up, get, like, standard, you know, useless little side quests and go. It's all very organic, kind of unfolding in the in the world as opposed to having to travel back and forth from places. Yeah. You basically never need to go back to the hub if you don't want to. Wow, that's either. great.
1: Have you finished the campaign yet?
2: No. No? How long have you been playing so far? Um, uh, Just a good idea, at, least, I'd, how, at I'd least how long it is. Probably, like, Four or five hours oh, okay. but, I'm, but I'm not like Burning through the campaign I'm doing side stuff I'm getting caught up In public missions That's how you play I, <laughs> I spent half an hour Playing soccer in the hub At right. one point yeah. uh, Where there's like goals And like they drop a ball down you can kick it back and forth Like I'm just having fun Running around doing stuff yeah. Like I don't feel pressured That's a good sign though to, Yeah I don't feel pressured To like get, just get this done Because the only good thing In it is this campaign Like I think it all works Real well And it all gels better and it's, Actually the thing I'd say Is it's um It feels like a much more confident game than the first one. I
1: mean, to me, it's the game that I thought the first one was going to be. To a large degree, I think that's mean And that's pretty typical. I mean, you you start with a new, a new IP. A lot of you get maybe half your ideas in there. Mm -hmm. The execution is maybe seventy percent of what you hope for. Sequel, you have that backbone to build on top of. It's just like fleshing something out uh, instead of building it from the skeleton out. So, uh, sounds amazing. Did you go back into uh, the Crucible at all?
2: Yeah, I played some Crucible. Um, How does that feel for you after playing the beta? It feels good. Any Different, or I didn't play the Crucible in the beta. Oh, okay. Um, but this feels fine. Uh, I am not, you know, standard Destiny Crucible action. I am not getting totally destroyed. I am not coming in first a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's you know it's fast. It's it's it feels good. You know, I I. I you know, everything all my skills from the first game more or less translate over for the most part and uh, I haven't felt uh, the frustration that was there in Call of Duty, World War II beta. Yeah. So um I it's still not my preferred method of play, but it's something I will go back to when like special events happen, I think. Just yeah. like just like the iron iron banner stuff in right. the first game.
1: Well, I uh, I hope to get at least a little bit of a breather this weekend. Mm. I'm hoping to dedicate at least all day tomorrow. Definitely not Sunday, I will watch a little football on Sunday. But hopefully tomorrow I can put some serious time into this. Uh, and when I do, I will be sure to come back on Game Face next week and kind of share my take on it. Um, but by all accounts, and I did play a ton of the beta. I played the Crucible a good bit. Played the campaign. Actually, I ended up playing it twice uh, before they shut everything down. Um, but I have not played the final game at all yet. So I'm really excited for it. It should make for a great weekend. Maybe I'll see some of you guys online. Because I know at this point I'm friends with few hundred people from Sifted, my friends list since Sifted launched, it just like exploded. So hopefully you guys are all playing and we can jump on and play. If you are not, if you haven't friended me on uh, on the various services yet, I am dinfire across everything and I will absolutely accept your friend request, so send it to me. Uh, let's see, it's time for our trailer of the week. Uh, and it is Destiny 2's launch week. I thought, thought it was only right that our trailer of the week was for Destiny 2, but it's not just any trailer. Um, hmm. This trailer to me demonstrates Why Japan is so much better than the West. At least when it comes to doing live action trailers. Japan does the best live action trailers. In fact, I'm working on a new episode of GIFE right now. So I've been gathering stuff. Mm. And let me tell you, over the last couple months, there's been some really awesome stuff coming out of Japan. Not the least of which is this trailer for Destiny 2. It's a live action. Actually, I'm not even going to ruin it. I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to let you watch it. Uh, those of you guys who are, are used to watching Game Face, you know, right now is the time to get your questions in a chat. And when we come back from the trailer of the week, we'll start answering them. So let it roll, Sam. <laughs> On the fight, uh. uh. on is energy. With all your might, time for humanity and make sure it's bright.
2: Protect community and never. <laughs> To take back the light. Yeah. Take on the fight. Harness uh. the energy with all your might. Right. Shine for humanity and make sure it's bright. Protect community and never Stand lose sight. claim your name and your home and history. Believe in ability to achieve a victory. Believe in ability to achieve a victory. Let's go. You
1: Holy marketing budget! Yeah, man. Also, also,
2: a pretty accurate portrayal of the hub.
1: It's a pretty <laughs> accurate portrayal of what it's like to play Destiny, really.
2: I mean, yeah. The, uh, I-, the dan- I mean, there's a whole section for dance emotes in this one. Yeah. It's not. Uh, they 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 went all in on the dance emotes, and they know that that's what everybody wants.
1: I mean, that should be a truncated version of that should be the TV spot in America. Probably. I mean, cut it down to 30 seconds or whatever. The best parts. Uh, that's what resonates with people who play Destiny. And that would also resonate with the more casual audience who maybe are like, what is this Destiny thing? I don't know. For whatever reason, Japan has the best of everything, including live action commercials. So uh, let's see, let's get to some questions here. Um, Mitchell is alive with Call of Duty World War II's competitive multiplayer looking to be a bit of a flop. What multiplayer game this year do you believe is likely to sweep the best multiplayer category this year?
2: Well, if it qualifies, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't qualify,
1: why wouldn't it qualify? Because it's not finished. Early access. I don't know. That's an ongoing debate. I've I, seen, I don't or... really think it is a debate, though. It's like it's a video game that you play. Yeah. Like, it, well, look, if it's if it's better than anything else, and it's not even done yet.
2: Mm-hmm. How can you... But then what do you give next year? How can you punish it? Well, it's not punishing it. It's for not, not done yet. It's
1: not I, I done know. yet. I don't see the logic
2: in it. The logic is that it... like, It's the same logic you have for giving Story a Zero and Madden for years. It'll be better when it's done. And then when, wh- how do you reward it next year when it finally comes out, if it comes out? Because it was already awarded the year before. You just don't give it the award again. But now it's better. Well, every game is always getting better. They patch games every game now. That's exactly why you wait for it to hit 1.0. You judge it at 1.0. Okay, that's how it works. I disagree with that. But uh, well, the rest of the entire industry is going that way, except for it looks like Giant Bomb. I think Giant Bomb's gonna give it what they give it, no matter what. I think they're they're like they don't care.
1: I mean, I don't even know if I would give it best multiplayer to be per- perfectly honest with you.
2: I think the other issue that we're running into trying to judge... I don't know if I'd give it to, but I think that's gonna be what people default to if they Maybe. decide that it qualifies. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it even matter how good World War II's battle, uh, multiplayer was. I think that game has multiplayer wrapped up. If people decide it's qualifying this year,
1: maybe. Uh, I think the, the issue with answering this question right now is we are about to get all the really good multiplayer games. They generally all come out in Q4. All the big shooters come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to get Battlefront. I mean, that's certainly could be a game that's going to be worthy of consideration for that. Maybe. I I mean, as of right now, I mean,
2: it's kind of my leading candidate, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, for that one it really depends how well that Starfighter thing turns out.
1: I mean, I would even say Splatoon 2 is another one for me that's Mm -hmm. right up there, man. I mean, as far as fun that I've had playing multiplayer this year, that's right up there. I mean, it's different even though there's been a game before. It's not like it's being imitated by anybody else, so it's still very different. Um, and it's very incredibly polished. Uh, Nintendo did a great job updating the game uh, from the first game to kind of sand down some of the rough edges. So, yeah, those are kind of the three that are kind of in my top three to keep an eye on right now. But, I mean, there's still so many more games that come out this year. So, those are kind of my leading Is there anything candidates. early in the year? Multiplayer-wise, I mean, Splatoon, really... obviously, is the one that yeah, I... Yeah, but
2: I mean, like more like Q1, Q2.
1: No, I mean, lots of good narrative single-player stuff mm-hmm. in the early part of the really year. Not a lot of great multiplayer yeah, that's what I would say. Um, there's another good one from Mitch Was Alive, but we want to get to other people's questions. I see your question there about Shadow of War. Maybe somebody else will ask it. But uh... <laughs> The Jays from said, this is what our characters are doing when we're logged out. In reference to that <laughs> Destiny 2 commercial, that's great. Uh, Headingham J are either of you planning on playing the PC port of D2? And if so, uh, which will you stick with, assuming friends aren't the issue?
2: Um, I'm not planning on, because I already have the PS4 version. Yeah, and I pretty much, you know, and that friends are the issue, because that's where everyone I know is playing on PS4 for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I mean, I have, so, I don't know, my friends list on Steam is probably 50, 60 people, maybe. Um, For me it was just I'm not waiting a month
1: I just don't have time to Start a game on one platform mm-hmm. Build my character up And then just trash it and, stall, st- and start all over again I would like to Because obviously the PC version is going to be the, the superior version mm. uh, It looks amazing on PC But it's like it's all about It's c- pretty good on Pro It yeah, I mean it looks pretty good everywhere man It's yeah. a damn good looking game without a doubt And I mean maybe that's another part of it That won't push me to go to PC is that It looks so good on consoles already. I mean, it looks plenty good enough for me on consoles. And, you know, games like that are all about community and finding people that you play with regularly. And once you kind of start a game and kind of create that community from your friends list and from coworkers or whatever, uh, you just kind of tend to stick with it. So, yeah, I don't see myself, like, double Mm -hmm. dipping. And I maybe give the PC version a spin to check it out. Um, but I'm also guessing I would probably be a lot worse at the crucible on the PC yeah. version. <laughs> I just get my ass handed to me, so I would not look forward to playing multiplayer with people who play with the mouse and keyboard all the time, whereas I spend the majority of my time playing games with sticks and buttons. So, um, J. Reed Vic Seven with FIFA, Madden, 2K, absorbing cinematic choice, choice-driven story. Injustice becoming Borderlands, will everything become a hybrid? What does that mean for more obscure games in those genres? I've been saying it on Game Face for a long time. We're all just, it's all becoming a melting pot where everything Mm. is just going to become an action RPG or some permutation or combination of an RPG. So yeah, I think eventually, yeah. I mean, I still think we're probably 10 years away from that happening.
2: Uh, but it's just that, that move to incorporate those elements because it gives you a more more of a feeling of ownership over the character and will keep you playing longer. Yeah, so.
1: it, it it makes sense. But I
2: also think that we'll go through that
1: stage where um, everything is kind of melting together and blending together, and you're going to get these factions of people who rebel against it. And they're going to be like, I just want to play an RPG, or mm-hmm. I just want to play a sports game. Because you always have those people that just organically want to go against the grain and against the tide. And so I don't think, like, these sort of discrete genres are going to go away. I think you're always going to have a faction of people who uh, will support those and and kind of prefer them. But uh, I think if you're talking about the mass audience, the vast majority, I think eventually it's all going to be a melting pot of RPG slash whatever. It just makes too much sense. Um, I pretty much like RPG elements in almost everything I play. And I realize everyone's not like me, but that's my personal preference. Um... Let's see. Lots of congratulations and thanks on the site and the Patreon. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, Darkforce256, how happy are you that the Patriots lost yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) Because I am very, very happy. Uh, for, For those of you who are new, and there's going to be a lot of you cuz our shows are going up on YouTube after a 3-day period for our patrons. Sam, our tricaster operator is a big Patriots fan. And uh and I'm a big Steelers fan and Matt doesn't give a crap. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, Sam actually I think he took it pretty good. I think he's he's a knowledgeable enough football fan to know that that was just one game. Yeah, it is. It's mm. that's why you play 16 games instead of one. Madden uh, curse is in play. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I will admit it. It did feel kind of good to see that stadium
2: empty for the last, like eight of the game. Tom Brady's hair is gonna be white by the end of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down. Uh,
1: I kid, I kid. It was midnight. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There's the excuse. It was midnight. Everyone had to go home. Midnight I bet you, if they won that game, if they had won the game, they'd have brought all those Lombardis back out on the field again. <laughs> They'll be back out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks for asking that question, so we could have some fun with Sam. Uh. Let's see, Uh, here's one from the Jastrum, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Sifted Games, I'm glad you started a Patreon. I just became a patron and I'm happy to support. I love what you guys do. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Um, I'm wondering how many people watch our Game Face stream and never became a subscriber to Sifted. Uh, If you're one of those people watching right now who's been watching our stream, we launched a Patreon. And if you want to just contribute to us to kind of pitch in for our for literally the hundred episodes we've done on Twitch that you've enjoyed, you can just give us a dollar and you get community stuff. Uh the tiers and the goals and everything, they scale up really nicely. You can give us little as a dollar or you can Comment give a whole
2: section looks like a fireworks display now. Yeah, yeah, it does. Colors everywhere.
1: Yeah. You can give as little as a dollar, or you can give a lot, and you can get into Pactor's ultra-exclusive E3 party this year at E3. So go check it out. You can see the URL at the bottom of the screen there. Uh, But thank you very much. And if you are indeed somebody who had just watched us on the stream and decided to to kick in, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, Drunken Elvis, will you guys switch to Xbox when they become the better versions of new releases or stick with PS4?
2: Great question. Um. Well, to do that, I'd have to have an Xbox One X. Yeah. And uh, like, maybe eventually, if I ever end up with one, the thing about like, if I own one, yeah, everything probably. but multiplayer stuff. Multiplayer yeah.
1: stuff, I probably stick it with PS Four.
2: But like in a situation like like Assassin's Creed Origins, it's like I ten, I will probably, I think I'll probably get the PS Four version of that anyway. Yeah. Uh, because I do have a PC that could run it, but I don't trust Ubisoft PC ports in the first like month or two. Yeah. So, well, like, I don't
1: trust a lot of PC ports. To yeah. be honest, I mean, just, most publishers are pretty guilty. You're just of... constantly
2: rolling the dice, and we've seen yeah. that multiple times in the last year, year or for two. Sure. Um, so in the end, I, I, you know, I will probably default to PS4 for the remainder of this year. But if at some point in the in the next several, you know, eight nine months, I pick up an Xbox One X after the rush subsides, if uh, you know if impressions are good enough, yeah, I would probably. Switch to non-multiplayer stuff being Xbox by default, which will be weird because I'm so used to the DualShock Four now. Yeah, which I mean I I'm all about I'd the say. best experience. I don't care. Yeah. I don't
1: care what badge is on the front of the hardware. Like you I don't really care know. where
2: it is. It's just a matter of like, will I end up? Do getting I have one? It? Yeah.
1: And is there community supported there for me to play it with other people? If not, I'll stick with PS4. Right. So, um, from Bakby, a longtime supporter, man. What's up? Uh, I will support you guys to the end, even when my heart is not in gaming anymore. Uh, ever had times where you can play good games and feel like it's a chore? And if so, what did you do to
2: make the feeling go away? Great hmm. question. I think I usually just play something else. And yeah. usually like an older thing. Like I tend to go back to the old retro stuff if I if I need to be reminded.
1: What I do, and I think the last time I felt that way was when I was laid off from GameSpot when CNET laid off like half of its company in one day and all the new hires who had been there for the last like year and a half were just let go. Um, And I had moved all the way from Philadelphia all the way to California and I had worked there like a year and a half and they're just like, you're laid off with half of the company. I was just like, what? (laughs) Like I just moved my whole life out here. And I was like devastated and I went home and just played a JRPG. Mm-hmm. Something that I could just dive into And just completely lose myself For a week Essentially um, I didn't feel like playing any of the other genres That I usually liked, like back then I was really into 3D platformers and kind of more whimsy mm-hmm. Stuff and it just felt not right For me to play that stuff And uh, I, yeah, I think that's what I do I tend to dive into a really deep game uh, With a lot of lore Maybe, something that just completely Kind of whisks me away and takes over And I think I, when I get burnt out on games, it's because I'm thinking too much mm-hmm. about it. And I'm not just kind of just getting into the groove of playing games and just kind of letting something that I love just take over. Um, but that does not happen to me very often, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. in my life, I can point out, like, instances where I kind of soured on games for a little bit. Um, I generally just don't they don't i never get bored of games i never lose Mm. my passion for it i don't know
2: it's just something i mean i I think in general for the most part i'd say they just they get better and better yeah i mean that's you're right um, that's the advantage is the games um, keep getting
1: better so i think if they stayed the same all that time sure i would probably burn out but it's mm. like
2: and every once in a while it is funny though (coughs) like if i do feel that way i also will usually go back to jrpgs and uh something in the suikoden series will usually perk me right up
1: yeah but, uh, and that, Matt makes the best point. It's that because games just keep getting better, it's like, I do feel like anytime I'm getting into a law where I feel like everything's the same, like some game comes along mm-hmm. that just kind of flips the script and does something completely different. And then yeah. you start getting all the other developers kind of iterating on that idea and expanding it and making it
2: better. So, just like, the, I mean, even this year I was I'd played so many open world action games and you kind of felt like that was sort of, you know, sucked that one dry a little right. bit. Then we got Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn and yeah. it's just like, no, no I still love this. It's just, I the, you know you need to turn that that lens a, a couple clicks and get something new in there.
1: And I think really what the lens is is that the, the gameplay and the combat in these games now are as good as the mm-hmm. uh, just regular action games. And that was always kind of deficiency for me with open world action rpgs was the combat was always kind of a means to an end
2: well look how long we tolerated rockstar right rockstar's yeah. gun, gunplay gun it was play. Just not
1: or just its weird traversal and yeah. for the first how many entries you couldn't even climb a freaking fence mm-hmm. like it's uh and that's what it is it's the progression and the advancement of the industry i think that keeps us engaged and we're, look we're lucky too because we have access to all the games and a lot of people don't they have to be really careful with how they spend their money, but that's what we're here for. We're here for to help you guys figure out how to spend your cash so you can keep your uh, your fire and your spirit for video games. All right, uh, we'll ask a couple or answer a couple more here. Um, someone asked us about tax havens. I don't know if we're the right people. Super
2: bunny hop. Thing. How, yeah, I haven't, how, seen, I haven't watched that yet.
1: How about you save that one for? The next round of Pactor Factor. Next time we put up a call mm. for questions, make mm-hmm. sure you ask that one. I don't think we're qualified to answer it, to be honest. We'd just be babbling and not giving you any real information. So,
2: uh, P- Pactor will sound much more authoritative when he babbles.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You'll probably trust him a lot more than you'll trust us. Uh, uh, w. Matthew, what do you think of the South Park game stuff revealed this week?
2: Oh, the difficulty Ooh.
1: thing? Not Well, that... And just the content. I must not have seen that then. Uh-huh. Man, <laughs> it's not pulling any punches. Man, that game is rough. It is. Well, the first uh,
2: one was too. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think they got they got to top themselves. I think
1: that's exactly what's going on here. I think that they are absolutely trying to one up the last game. I mean, there's some stuff in the gameplay that they put out this past week. Go watch it, by the way. It's amazing. But holy cow, <laughs> even me. And I, it takes a lot to offend me. A lot. And there was some stuff, and I wasn't offended. I was just like, "Damn, Oh my God, I can't believe they went there. But I think you're right. I think he's asking about the slider, mm-hmm. the difficulty slider that the farther the more it goes to difficult, the darker the skin tone gets yeah. on your character. I think it's brilliant.
2: Yeah. It's, I, I mean, mean, I mean, for all the criticism back and forth I would have about South Park and how they approach things and how people take that show. Like they're real good at kind of just like taking some some social truisms people have trouble talking about or admitting and just throwing them right there on the screen, yeah, and that's a great example of it. I think it's brilliant i i love it, I think it uh it makes its point without beating you over the head with it, and mm-hmm. I think some people may not even get it oh I'm sure <laughs> wait, why is that? Oh, it must be a bug you know, some, <laughs> people, some people are not gonna understand okay, I thought what to put that's it on easy,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I think it's just another way that uh, it just shows how those guys are kind of thinking on another level and how they're willing to challenge uh, societal norms and things like that and just do things differently. Uh, like we were saying just five minutes ago about you know, how you get into these laws where it feels like everything's the same. Mm. Um, no one's ever done a difficulty setting in a
2: game like that before. <laughs> it <mean, laughs> may it's... never be done again, but <laughs> I love it. I think it was really, really great. Start, it it is does start to make you wonder what they can possibly do for a third. Yeah, <laughs> You're only, absolutely right. Like, but you know, uh, they're
1: saying that as Shelburne is saying it doesn't actually adjust the difficulty; it's just a goof. Mm. Yep. So, all right, party people. That's it for Game Face episode 101 on Sifted Games. Before we go with our Patreon, we have been fortunate enough to get our first sponsor. And we're going to read our, our sponsorship copy right now We'd like to welcome you to our first sponsor, extraturns.com Are you tired of paying 10-15% to 15% commission or more selling your used games online? What if you could sell your used games commission free? At ExtraTurns, you can! That's right, extraturns.com is, is a brand new marketplace being built from the ground up to sell your games, collectibles, electronics and memorabilia they won't charge you a thing to sell or exchange or used games, and they'll always beat their competitors in every other category. Visit extraturns.com to sign up for the site's launch. It's not even live yet. Get in early and get your first five listings free. Like and share extraturns on Facebook and Twitter and you're entered to win an SNES Classic this holiday season. Don't wait. Sign up for extraturns today and join a brand new community of dedicated gamers just like you. There you go and eBay that won't rip you off. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like anyway. Um, thank you very much for the sponsorship, first a sponsor we've ever had on the show. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's see, what updates do I have? Patreon's going on. Uh, we're doing okay. We're almost halfway to our goal in a week. we got three or four more weeks here to get it up there. Um, as I said earlier, our shows are now going out onto YouTube, so I hope if you're discovering Game Face on YouTube for the first time, you enjoyed it. And I hope that you'll consider contributing to our Patreon. Again, lots of different tiers and rewards for pretty much any budget. So, any plans for the weekend, Matt?
2: Um, Probably some more destiny. Yeah, that's probably what I'll be doing. Mm. Sam's going to be crying his Patriots tears. I don't don't know what to do anymore on Sunday now that Twin Peaks is over. Well, there's
1: football. Perfect timing, (sighs) right? Because you know there's
2: a lot of lap over. I don't know what to do.
1: (laughs) You know there's a lot of lap over between the Twin Peaks audience and the NFL fan. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Some damn good kickoffing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, once again, I want to say hello to all the folks on YouTube who have not been able to watch us all this time. This is one of the big changes that Patreon is bringing for us. Uh, I know there's lots of fans of Invisible Walls who are maybe watching this show for the first time. Good to see you again, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Game faces is up and out. <laughs>